Welcome back to Oh God. Welcome back to Creepcast. How y'all doing? Today is the part two of Baraska. If you have not seen part one yet and you're lost in this story, please go back to part one and see it because this story is broken up into four parts and we're just splitting it into two parts. I know that's kind of confusing whenever I say it like that, but part one and two are covered in our first episode on Baraska and this is covering part three and four. So if you have not, if you're not caught up, this is a big, big story. You're going to be extremely lost, so I do recommend you go and hop over there. That being said, uh, Wendy, can you give us a, a recap of where we left off? And uh, I, I wanted to do a little recap of when he went off, and then I want to also uh, hypothesize on where I think it's going to go from here. Because what people don't, for people who don't know or who, who need to get caught up as well, I have never read this before. Wendy Goon has. So it's it's kind of me <laughs> playing the guessing game and kind of trying to piece this giant puzzle along as we uh, read this. And Windagoon knows all the answers, and he's just giggling like a schoolgirl. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Over so my demise. So. I'm the only one who knows what's going to happen here, and it makes me so happy that you are hopelessly scared and have no idea what's going on. What's funny is he came to me, and he was like, hey, uh, the audience is interested in hearing part two, so let's get that recorded this week. But I think what it actually is is he just needs to know what happened. <laughs> that is, I, so. I, cannot, I cannot lie. That is, I don't want to wait. I do want to know. And also the general excitement of people also wanting to know what happens in part two, because there's a lot of people who are like me that don't know what's going on with yep. this story. I, I will say on social media, I have been resisting looking at stuff. People online who have been tweeting us and stuff like that have really been, they, they jumped the gun and they already read the other parts and they're just like, why? So I, I've been resisting anything to, for any kind of spoiler indication, I haven't looked at anything. So I am I'm excited, but people are thirsty for it. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say to both you and the audience, um, I'm sorry <laughs> that I knew where this is going from the get go, and I'm I'm so, you'll know what I mean later. But I apologize. Uh, anyway, uh, in part one in Creepcast part one in our coverage of it, we covered the first two parts of Baraska. Basically, we have this boy named Sam. The story begins when he's very young, like nine years old. He meets a couple friends in town. Uh, everything's going fine until one day his friends take him to a thing called the Triple Tree that seems to imply there's some kind of mystique to the area they live in. And then sure enough, seemingly after visiting the Triple Tree, uh, Sam's older sister, Whitney, disappears. Uh, it then cuts in part two to several years later, still living in the same town. Sam has begun to obsess over Whitney. We start to see more details of the towns kind of falling apart. We hear about the history that there used to be an old mine up in the hills that was destroyed after people perished in it. We hear that there's these various families who have political control over the town. Uh, we, we continue to see that there's more and more signs that something's amiss in the city. And where we ended at the end of part two is that Sam's friend Kimber, who is now dating their mutual friend Kyle, uh, Kimber's mother jumped off the roof of a hospital. And that is where we ended at part two. So a very lovely stopping point for part three. Yeah, very emotional. I mean, both of the, both the parts have ended in a very cliff, not, I wouldn't say, well, cliffhanger in a way, but very dramatic, very like tension heavy endings that are 
I mean, like pretty devastating. I yeah. mean, but pr- yeah. pretty much two acts of loss so far. And I guess before we get into it, and I know I don't want to delay it any longer, but I will say I just wanted to put this at the top of my predictions or where I'm at with it so far, which in the town there is the triple tree that is this like mysterious place. It's very large. It's very elaborate. People go there. There's, you know, there's the marking on top of the door that says gates to hell one. And there's this grinding sound that comes from the mountains or from the, the, the trees or mines or wherever in this town that people kind of just accept. And they're like, well, it just is what it is, but it is creepy nonetheless. And people are, scared of it yeah there's too much emphasis on the local lore and there's too much i don't i can tell you still from the top upon reflection the dad i'm still not trusting the dad the dad is moving along with things i don't know if it's like that he doesn't care that his daughter is gone or something but i feel like out of their family which you know usually in these situations with loss usually one parent kind of has to man the ship and keep things going because the mom is obviously she's mentally kind of checked out. She's very upset over Whitney's being gone, but the, I just don't trust the dad. I, I can't put a pinpoint on it, but it's just the way that he has reciprocated the information that his daughter's gone. Even the way knowing that for sure that she didn't run away with an ex-boyfriend, which was a conspiracy that was kind of perpetrated through law enforcement in the town. It just doesn't add up to me. I don't know if it's a cold lead. I don't want to know if it's a cold lead, but to me, there's something bigger. This story feels like the guilt of our fathers is what it feels like to me. With the Prescott being introduced, the old man in the nursing home who kind of was very adamant that he had to do what he had to do for the town, that it's his town. He's very adamant. Um, you know, the even the the Prescott who owns the the sandwich shop that no one wants to eat the sandwiches. It's very clear that no one wants to eat sandwiches. That's fine. But the I it, it's just feeling like the guilt of our fathers and I'm wondering what these people are doing in a way that is so corruptible I think that the minds are so heavily emphasized as well that I think that we are leading down a road where the minds are still active in some way or in some kind of some kind of malicious event is happening that the town itself are very aware of that the children are naive of that they might even be you know, as you get older, you get accepted into this kind of guild or kind of circle that we're, we're finding. So that is, I'm curious to see where it goes. That's just where my mind is leading right now. And I'm very curious to see where it's going to be by the end of this. And we're going to find out today. And I'm extremely excited. So without further ado, why don't we get into the beginning of Baraska part three? Let's get into it. You little devil. You're going to have a great time. Don't worry. I'm stoked. Do you want to start it off? Sure. I'll kick it off. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. So, again, this is picking up right after uh, the tragedy that befell Kimber's mother. Do you think she blames herself? I don't know, man. Probably. I stretched out the reclined seat of my Chevy and pulled the bill of my hat lower over my eyes. But do you think she's okay? I didn't answer him. I certainly hadn't been okay when Whitney died, and Kimber was even closer to her mom than I was to my sister. She was definitely not okay. Sam, seriously, I'm freaking out here. It's been two days. I pushed my hat up off my face and looked over at Kyle, who was admittedly a wreck. His eyes were bloodshot. His face sallow? Is that shallow or something? I think it's supposed to be shallow. (laughs) It feels like it would be shallow, right? Yeah. 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 Sallow. I'm like, what is a sallow? Okay, anyway, sorry. (laughs) His eyes were bloodshot. His face shallow. 
and his red hair was greasy. Dude, her mom committed unalive. Unalive. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You know how close Kimber was to her mom. She just needs some time, but she'll be okay. She hasn't answered any of my texts or calls. I've left her like nine voicemails, man. I think I'm going crazy. You just have to give her space. Yeah, but she's my... My... He still couldn't say it around me. I'm supposed to be looking after her. I set up and pulled the chair up right behind me. Look, Kyle, I know you want to help Kimber, and I want to help Kimber too, but she hasn't answered our calls, been to school, or come to the door when we've stopped by her house. She doesn't want to see us right now, and we have to be okay with that. Right now, Kimber knows what's best for Kimber. What about the unalive? I hate that I have to say that, but yeah. What about the unalive note? Um, You think that has something to do with it? I sighed. We don't even know if there was a note. Kimber's dad was upset and messed up when he said that, and it's possible I misheard him anyway. I asked my dad, and he said there was no letter. Right, because your dad's such a beacon of truth. One no, Man, <laughs> even Kyle picks up on Sam's dad being a bit suspicious. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, we haven't had that much that his dad, you know, has been, I guess, at fault or whatever. But if the other kids are trying to, or like, see it as well, it's just extremely suspicious. I just, I don't trust him. No. I don't know why, but yeah. I agree, I agree. Uh, off of the con, of course, off of no information I'm given later in the story, just off of you know current context clues. Nothing sure. else. One look at Kyle told me he'd immediately <laughs> regretted his words. I shrugged. I don't know what to believe anymore. The truth was that I knew what I heard. Mister Destero had said something to the cops about a letter, but I couldn't tell Kyle that. Not right now. He was already worried that his relationship with Kimber was part of the reason her mom had been so depressed. I'd asked my dad about the letter when he'd come home after that long night, and he'd sighed, run both of his hands through his hair in a tired way, and said, Sam, I don't know what to tell you. Andestero didn't leave a note, and this is the first I've heard of it. With our best friend in mourning and our investigation on hold, Kyle and I had been existing in a sort of suspended state. We went to school intermittently, skipping classes here and there, missing end-of-year tests, and smoking more weed than either of us could afford. Without Kimber there to set us straight and keep us in line, we were lethargic, brooding, and irresponsible. I never realized how much I relied on her. Kyle and I skipped the last two periods of the day and debated on whether we should even go to school tomorrow, which was the last day of our sophomore year. We finally decided to show up for second period, which I was glad we did because Kimber showed up in biology. I didn't even see her at first. I had my head down on my desk, resting on folded arms, when I felt a meek hand pat my shoulder. I turned around to see her standing there, looking unsure and uncomfortable. I gave her half a smile and pulled her into a hug. But it wasn't a super comforting, not at all awkward Kimber hug. It was a longer, weaker hug, and I felt so protective in it that I was sad when it was over. How are you doing, Kay? I asked her when she finally released me. Kimber wiped a tear off her cheek. I'm okay. And she gave me a wobbly smile, and I knew it wasn't true. I wrapped her into a quick hug as Phoebe Dranger gave us a snotty look. Have you seen Kyle yet? No, I I have next period with him. He's been worried about you. I know, she said, sliding her eyes to the floor. Things have been really hard for me at home. It's okay, I said. We're here for whatever you need. Yeah, that's... 
That's what I was hoping. Whatever you need. So we have here um, uh, Kimber and Sam kind of having this reuniting. There's been that hint since the first couple chapters that Sam kind of has a thing for Kimber. Uh, but he's kind of like, well, that's my that's my friend's girlfriend. I don't want to, you know, chase that trail, obviously. Yeah. On top of that, though, he it seems like Kyle refuses to say that he's kimber's girlfriend that's true to him and that's true like it in in front of sam which is it's it's a weird kind of thing i i I, it feels like there's some kind of jealousy or tension building there we're getting a lot of separation between our main characters now too yeah like these these conflicts are really like there's been a lot of pushback between sam and kyle it doesn't seem as friendly anymore i think they're saying a lot of like truths from their you know from with their chest that they would typically hold off you know um it's just interesting it feels like there's a division happening and the 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 cracks are beginning to form and i think if kimber decides to stay to get closer with sam here i do wonder what kind of uh what kind of pitfall that could be for kyle later down like if that will send him spiraling into some kind of craze yeah it's it's a weird environment when you can't tell you know, your friend that you're dating, right? It's just, it's kind of uncomfy all around. Um, Well, part of me, and this is just me wondering, is if Kyle doesn't trust his dad either and stuff, how how truthful has Kyle been to Sam this whole time? What is he not telling him or not wanting to divulge mm. because he doesn't want... He doesn't want Sam's dad to maybe know of things or anything like that, which I don't know if it's necessarily the extent of, like, I don't want him to know that I'm dating Kimberly. Yeah, yeah. But I do wonder how much of stuff are you holding to your chest because you might be suspicious of this person or you might not want to fully let somebody know about something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, okay, so we can continue on. Let's skip a paragraph because the, the, the next paragraph just describing, like, Kimber talking to Sam, saying that they shouldn't have skipped class to get stoned, but then they reunite when it says, As soon as Kyle saw her from down the hall, he slammed his locker shut and walked towards us with such intensity that I began to wonder if maybe he was mad. He pushed past a dozen people without so much as glancing at them and left a curious, if annoyed, crowd in his wake. When he finally reached us, Kyle threw his backpack against the wall and swooped Kimber up in the sort of way you'd see in old black and white movies. Everyone who watched all this unfold, including me, groaned in unison. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. Uh, That's a very, that's a very like, Kyle strikes me as the kind of guy who's like, oh, I know. I'll, I'll make up for all this with a a grand show of whatever, right? Like. uh, Yeah, a grand gesture showing how romantic this is. Yeah. I really am going to be, this is so romantic. And then now it's, you know, there's, there's no way to not feel like loved and you know have this kind of like compassion you know what i mean yeah because that's like those grand gestures that's it's true it's true that's all they want that's That's what every rom-com has ever told us yeah yeah that's our advice like if there's a girl who (laughs) you may like you may be having problems with your lady or whatever just ignore everything she says to fix it and just Mm -hmm. make a scene in public Make an extremely public scene that puts as much attention on you both as possible. Yeah, and then they show, love I, that. And scream in her face, I love you, as many times until she reciprocates back. That's that's the best thing you can possibly do. Classic love story. Yep. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> please, 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 please. Please love me, please love me, please love me. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so they have a they, they go to class together. Everything seems fine. Um, but then they start to feel a little uneasy because there's a lot of unresolved tension in the air. And eventually, Kyle says, it says, well, Kyle begins, Kimber, he said quietly, did your mom leave a letter? What? Kimber asked in surprise. I heard your dad talking about a letter on the day that, on, on the day, on Tuesday, I said. Oh. As we waited for her to continue, the bell rang for lunch. Everyone filed out of the room, but the three of us stayed still sitting on our desks. Kimber, I finally said. She sighed sadly and looked over at Kyle. Yes. What did it say? He asked nervously. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I asked my dad for it when we got home, and he said I misheard him, and there was no letter. He said not to Liar! <laughs> Liar! These dads, what are they? I'm telling you, dude, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't want to disrupt this, but it is the guilt of our fathers. What is happening in this town? Lies! God damn you, lies! I can't, for those who don't know, by the way, when we record, I can't see Hunter. It's just an audio call. So yes. in my head, he's been sitting there eating popcorn. And then as I said, he's like, no, throwing it at the camera. No, I'm mostly, I'm mostly, I'm mostly sitting here, like just forcing all the blood to my face. Just like reading this clenched, clenched fist. <laughs> just wanting to be like, I, you're, you're a liar. Admit it. <laughs> You know, you know, sins of the father is actually a pretty good like uh, the underline for this whole series. But we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, so yeah, the, what what you said, liar, right? <laughs> Dad, Dad yeah, turns no, around and for says, real. No. <laughs> yeah, sorry, no, I you misheard me. There was no note. It's like you came right up to me and said your mother left a note. <laughs> he was like, no, no, you actually misheard that though. What I actually said was there was las lasagna in the in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Dad, you oh. know it's pronounced lasagna. Yeah, the, the old classic. Your mom left a note slash. There's <laughs> yeah. lasagna in the fridge. Mix up. Get some every time. It's a classic. Your mom thought she was a dove and jumped off the top of the roof and unalived herself, but mm. there's definitely lasagna in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. I definitely didn't say anything else. Yeah, that's what happened to Lincoln. You know. That is exactly what happened to Lincoln, yeah. <laughs> Your father was shot in the back of the head. What? I said there's I said there's Romana cheese in the fridge. God! What is wrong with your ears? <laughs> also dad's dead, but that's unrelated to what also, I should have also, said. Also 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 dead. Yes. Also dad's dead, but uh, that's but there's Romana. So you know. It's one it's this is really one of those, you know, uh, upside downside scenarios. Anyway, <laughs> So, since uh, I asked my dad for it when we got home, and he said I misheard him and there was no letter. He said not to mention it to anyone else or I'd just upset people. Well, then we sure. both misheard him, I said, which seems unlikely. I've known my dad all my life, and I know when he's lying. People started to filter in for next period, sliding sympathetic glances at Kimber. Since it was our lunch uh, period. Go ahead. One second, sorry. I've known my dad all my life, and I know when he's lying. Is that to insinuate she's saying that he's telling the truth? No, I, I feel like that because then she'd say my dad's not a liar or something. But when she's like, I've known him all my life, and I know when he's lying. I think that's her way of saying like, yeah, I knew he was lying when he said it to me. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Just making sure. Because initially, because if, Kimber. If, 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 
Kimber said well, yes. Sorry, I was... when asked. So uh, she she's in oh, the know okay. that there is one. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say if she denied that he was lying there, it would it would raise suspicion for her as a character yeah. to me. Yeah, I think she. But knows. no, okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, it says, filter and experience, it's, it was our lunch period. We gathered up our things and walked out to my car, as we always did. I sat in the back seat, letting Kyle and Kimber take the front. Kimber took a deep breath and continued. I know my dad is lying, and I know he has the letter. See, there you go. Okay, I, I, really, I really should have just waited one there, second. There, okay. It was the next line <laughs> of dialogue. I should have waited one literal line of dialogue. Okay, I'm going to shut the fuck up for now on. I'm sorry. Well, I know, I know, I know that like, popcorn is fun to throw. So when oh, you get the God, opportunity... I, <laughs> okay are you sure kyle asked i could tell he was still terrified that some of the blame rested on him yeah and i know it contains the name prescott i think i even know where it is Ooh. oh <laughs> Ooh, fascinating okay mm. prescott for those who don't remember from part one is the main family runs the town the grandfather which is the old man they went to see in the nursing home so it's also yeah the family of the people that were Sam works at the sandwich shop he yep. owns him it's pretty much the like the family of the town yeah they, like kind of yeah. own everything yeah uh, Prescott yet somehow I wasn't that surprised he was the axis yeah, no around shit. which everything that was bad orbited how do you know it says Prescott Kyle asked I heard my dad reading it once I think he reads it a lot actually he was sort of sobbing and whispering the words and throwing things in his office my dad he hasn't been well. Do you think she was having an affair with Jimmy Prescott? I shook my head. No. I'm guessing you need to think bigger than that, Kyle. I like Kyle, though. I like Kyle. He's like, oh, yes, an affair. Classic. <laughs> Seen yeah, this well, one it, before. It, 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 it's, the, it's the brilliant part of the story I like is it's, it, it keep. I mean, it's real. You know I mean, like, yeah, this yeah. is what I imagine a 16-year-old would be thinking. Oh, fuck, your mom's fucking another guy. It's the wealthiest <laughs> guy in town. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? Yeah, your dad's uh, pretty yes. poor, but Jimmy Prescott, yeah, he's ugly as fuck, but he's got a lot of money. It's like, no, of course. Yeah. The sandwich it, shop man, owner I, I, gets the ladies every time. Yeah. You know, I like how he sells six rye sandwiches every every year. It's my favorite thing about it. No, the, uh, what's interesting here is I'm, and I don't want to keep hypothesizing. This is me. Just I want to just put it out there as it goes out. But I'm like wondering if all the other men in town, specifically the fathers, are in. They're doing something with the Prescott family. Some kind of ritual. Some something that is like uh, a bond between these dads and the moms. Know about it, but they're not able to infiltrate it either. And it's like it's it's causing some kind of huge guilt. I would not be surprised if Sam's mom has the same fate. Is is something coming up to me? It's like that. That's where my mind is going. That I feel like Sam's mom. Something's gonna happen to her too. But okay. Fascinating. Okay, so let's continue. I can't say anything. I just have to be like, wow, that's cool. Anyway, like I, I need to stop derailing it. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, 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 no. That derailing is perfect. That's what we're here for. If it was just us reading the story with no interruptions. Then we might as well yeah, upload this as like an audio book, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, so true, yeah, exactly. interruptions are good. Interruptions are good. So anyway, uh, so he Sam says we need to think bigger than that, and then the story continues. I agree, Kimber said to her hands in her lap. With everything we know about the Prescotts, I'm fairly sure this isn't about an affair. It's all connected somehow, don't you think? My dad was the love of my mom's life, but she only left a letter for me. I think that somehow 
I'm the one she wronged, not him. You know, I, I, I think she did something to me or, or maybe she did it because of me. Kimber's voice broke over the last sentence and Kyle pulled her over, kissed the top of her head and whispered words to her that I couldn't hear. So we need to get the letter, I said after giving them a minute. Yes, I really need to read it. Kimber's voice was still wobbly. How do we get it? I asked. If it's in the office, we just need to wait until her dad's at home, Kyle said as he looked out the window. You don't think I thought of that? Kimber sighed. He never leaves his office, not since we got home from the hospital. He sleeps in there. So we mm. need to get him out? No, we need to get me in. Tomorrow's my mom's funeral and half of Driskin will be there, including my dad, of course. I need to leave him. I need to leave without him noticing and run home so I can get through the office. Okay, that's easy, I said, without my dad noticing, and I need to be back by the end of the service. We both nodded but stayed silent because it looked like Kimber was way, was weighing saying more. Oh, was weighing, like thinking about it. Yeah, I'm dumb. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that she was weighing saying more. <laughs> she got much fatter. <laughs> I'm so stupid. That's, I'm like, weighing? That's not the word, but yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> um, my dad, he's been very cold, and I think... I think he blames me, Kimber finally said. That's bullshit, Kyle spat. Can you guys help me? Absolutely, of course. So I, I like, too, that this is, like... Like, sure, she's going behind her dad's back, but the reasons for it are justifiable, you know? Uh, there's a letter to her that he can't read, or that she can't read. Um, and, like, sure, well, she needs to possibly manipulate her mother's funeral to get it done, but it's understandable. <laughs> Yeah, but you would you would assume that if it's a, if it's your mom's funeral and she she made you a letter that is trying to tell you something, the last thing your mom's ever going to tell you, and you haven't said it yet, that's a justifiable reason to where I feel like even your mom would be like, you need to go do that, especially if the dad is hold. I mean, like holding this thing hostage. I mean, for God's sakes, he's sleeping in the office. It's like. It's just crazy. I mean, th the only thing that concerns me is I'm wondering if they're going to go there and be like, oh, he took it with him. You know what I mean? Like that, mm -hmm. if he's that obsessed with it, that's, that's where my thing would be. But to not have, which, you know, I think that this is a good plan though, too. I think the dad is going to be devastated. I think he's going to be, you know, at this funeral, probably completely void of thought, just filled with emotion. I think that this is the time to implement this kind of strategy if it's going to happen especially if you've heard the name prescott there's just too much on the line not to try this so yeah yeah absolutely um so we'll, we'll skip a few paragraphs again i we highly recommend you read this story for yourself but we're trying to stick to like the main plot points basically what happens in some of these paragraphs in between is they make a plan together that what they're going to do is during the funeral uh Kimber is going to go to the bathroom and then she's going to text Kyle that she's having a breakdown and then Kyle will go to comfort her. Kyle and Kimber will drive home, get the letter, while uh, Sam stays at the funeral effectively to keep watch to make sure her dad doesn't get suspicious. So other than that, there's some stuff about that he goes into work Monday and Mira seems to be in a better mood and lets him go early, probably feeling sympathetic, you know, for the kid whose friend just went through this. Um, right. And eventually it says, Anne DeStero's funeral was at an Episcopalian church on the other side of town. I picked Kyle up at nine and saw he was also wearing a suit of his dad's, though he didn't fit it nearly as well, and he was constantly pulling at the sleeves and readjusting the waistline. 
Unfortunately for Kyle, he was much smaller than his dad. We parked as far away from the church as possible, where we hoped no one would notice a car leaving. When we went inside the church, we saw that Kimber wouldn't have to do much acting to convince people she was having a breakdown. We found her at the back of the room, tucked into a chair, and a puddle of curly orange hair and tears. Kyle sat next to her and pulled her into a hug. Kim Kimber, what's wrong? I kicked his foot and shot him a look that said, Really? <laughs> God, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. What's Kimber, wrong? your mom is just being put in the ground. It's not a big What's wrong, baby? What's going on? What's wrong? Yeah, what the hell? Did oh you did you gosh. see that open casket? You see that open casket? Dude, your mom's bloated. It's weird. <laughs> Bro, why does her body look like that? She's all gross and mangled. Yo, her, yo, her eyes look all buggy. It's weird, Kimber. What the hell's going on with you, though? Is it your time of the month or something, Kimber, for real? Is this how it's going to be? You, you, we, we, you realize we have a plan today, right? How are you going to fake crying if you keep this up? Gosh! Yeah. Get it together. Exactly. Hey, baby, I know that it's, you know, I know that this is probably an act, but you need to get, get your game face on, okay? We need to find that letter. <laughs> it's like, God, dude. Come on, Kyle. So so oblivious throughout all of his story. It's like so just fucking oblivious. I love it. Walks into a funeral that his girlfriend's mom died, and he goes, "What's wrong, <laughs> bro, Kyle?" Jesus, Kimber, what's wrong? Kyle is one of the boys. He is the most dude, bro. Oh, definitely ever. Like, especially he's just like viciously pulling up his like big ass pants and his like like oversized jacket. He looks like. He looks like that one talking head concert where they have like the giant suits on. He's like, Kimber, what the oh. hell is your problem? <laughs> Ladies, I want you to imagine that your mom dies and then at your funeral, your boyfriend walks in wearing a suit that doesn't fit him and goes, what's wrong with oh you? <laughs> like, <laughs> Especially I walked up, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what, so, so what, someone die around here or something? <laughs> oh my God, did someone else die? Oh, it's just your mom? Your psychopath mom? Okay, well, what's wrong? <laughs> oh, her? You've had like three days to know about her. Why are you crying over it now? God, your mom jumped off the roof three days ago. Get over it. God. I love, I, I love, I love the line. I kicked his foot and shot him a look and said, really? And Kyle bit his lip and he's like, ah, I mean, ah, fuck. It's just what he says. I mean, ah, ah fuck. God. Kyle's like, stupid, stupid, stupid. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, Kyle. That's what he's done. He's hitting his head. Why do you do this? Oh. Uh, Kyle's my favorite. Okay. All right. Back to the funeral. Uh, there, there's no... There's no... Hold on. There's no one here, Kimber whispered against his chest. My mom grew up here. She had hundreds of friends in this town. And no one came. We looked mm. around, and I had to admit, the turnout was sparse. A few groups of three or four people standing together. Kimber's dad, who sat in a chair opposite the room of his daughter with his head in his hands, and some family I recognized from barbecues at Kimber's house. Ex-Sheriff Clary and his wife Grace were there, standing with a few of my dad's deputies and talking quietly in the corner. I could see why Kimber was upset. As we, that is suspicious. Yeah, yeah, the, the ex-Sheriff and stuff. Well, not even that, but also just the extremely low turnout to, coincidentally, a woman who maybe knew too much. Mm, um, I see. 
or something, or exa- or other people's priorities are somewhere else in the small town. Like it just doesn't add up. Yeah. A classic Kyle line here would be like, "Well, maybe your mom was a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people just didn't like her, Kimber. Could that be it? <laughs> hey, Kimber, your mom was kind of a bitch, so she's like not that crazy. So I don't know, babe. I'm gonna go get some cookies over there on the on the table. I'll be back. <laughs> Yo, they got free drinks here. Let's go. Yo, Kimber. Yeah, he's like across the deal. Yo, Kimber, they got tea. <laughs> They got iced tea and cookies. Do, do you want some? I know you said it makes you bloated if you have it too early, yeah. but can you have it now? I know you're worried about stretch marks, but if you want some <laughs> Chips Ahoy, let me know. I know you're like fat and all, but these are pretty good. I guess you can have one. He like to takes out his iPhone and puts it in his pocket. He's just playing Black and Yellow by Wiz Khalifa as loud as it possibly can go. Yeah, uh-huh. He's like, you know what it is, black and yellow, black and yellow. Getting snacks and cold cuts at the table. <laughs> Everything I do, I do it big. <laughs> just a kid, just a kid at a funeral, like, ah, uh, you know what it is, like, not what, what caring. Would be, what would be, what would be more obnoxious? A 16-year-old listening to, to Wiz Khalifa, Black and Yellow, or if it was Fetty Wap's Trap Queen, <laughs> as loud as you possibly can. And he has he has a he has a Beats by Dre pill speaker in his back pocket. It's not even on his phone anymore. He like brought a legitimate Bluetooth speaker with him. That's your girl. I can hide with my baby. Yeah. <laughs> your girlfriend's Yo, Kimber's dad. The food here is kind of mid, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Kimber's dad, you shouldn't have got that shitty-ass sandwich shop to cater. This shit sucks. Yo, your wife looks mad funny in that box, dude. <laughs> you we, you, we, you we, didn't pay we, for we that, did you? She looks awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she looks like a weird clown, dude. Tell me you did not pay for that. Okay, you didn't? Okay, cool. <laughs> what happened to her face? Oh yeah, the concrete. That's right. Oh, <laughs> well, you should, you should have like put a mask on her or something. My God. Yo, yo, who else thinks we should bring death masks back? Anyone? Mean, meanwhile, just <laughs> softly. I'm like, hey, what's up, hello? Yeah, I'm like, hey, what's up, hello? Come here, your pretty eyes. Soon as you came in the door. Yo, disrespectful of me to like go to an open casket, look inside, and you're yeah. just like, I've been cooking pies with my baby. <laughs> What? Oh I'm God, bored. I want to so listen lucky. to music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> what? I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> hey, baby, this is really lame. I'm going to get out of here. Hey, do you guys have like an ox cord or something? <laughs> yeah, you guys got an ox cord. He actually doesn't even have a button up on. He just has one of those graphic tees you find at Wal- or like Target or Walmart. It's like a fate. Like they purposely faded it. It's like a Sega, sh- like a Sonic shirt. It's like the shirts. It's like the shirts that Jesse Pinkman would wear in Breaking Bad. Like they've got like all the the Thrasher font that says like "Live and oh, Die." Yeah. yeah, yeah, it goes down to yeah, his yeah, knees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, I came here my Sunday's best. <laughs> okay, where 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 are we? Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. So her mom's dead. Kimber's mom's dead. I think um, she's dead. That's that's all we need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Story. Roll credits. 
As we waited for the service to start, I can't detach the image of Kyle in the corner just eating all the sandwiches. All right, way way too many open chairs. Like definitely, there was like not a turnout they expected, and there's just this fucking guy walking around the back. I can't. What do you mean I can't play my music? Who's gonna care? All the people that aren't here. <laughs> yeah, he's listening. He's listening now. He switches over. He's like, "Fine, I won't play rap." He puts on Rev Theory. Hell yeah! <laughs> Give me a hell. Give me a yeah. <laughs> Her he's mom like, would have loved Blue this. Mountain State. That shit's funny as fuck. <laughs> oh my gosh! He's just listening to like Impractical Jokers way too loud. Like in the back. Yeah, Impractical Joker Jokers clips. Yo, Mur, don't pants that little kid. <laughs> Jeez, guys, I don't want to. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so anyway, her mom's dead. Uh, <laughs> as we waited for the service to start, I realized I'd never been to a funeral before. I wish that we'd had one for my sister, but I knew we never could since Whitney was still legally alive. It made me sad to think that she would never be laid to rest. Only a few other funeral goers trickled in, and the pastor began getting people seated for the service. I noticed the casket at the pulpit for the first time and was glad it was closed. Still, I had to wonder at the simple, unadorned, almost ugly coffin that had been chosen for Kimber's mom. I knew the Desteros had money. Quite a lot of it, actually. It was an interesting, almost insulting choice. Poor Kimber. That's an interesting... Oh, that's sad. Yeah, that, that's sad. That's an interesting observance. Like they had money. Well, man, I mean, it goes into it goes into the fact again where it's like no one showed up. Yeah. Is this woman is this woman not respected in town? Mm. Did the dad even get to choose the coffin? Was it's it like the dad like would have been embarrassed to get her something nice, almost. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, man, I just the dad is too suspicious. I can't tell if the dad is a victim of something that's larger than himself or if he's maliciously doing he's this as well. He's a part of it, yeah. I, yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, Kyle and I stood Kimber up and started over to the pews, but she stopped abruptly. I'm ready, she said, and brushed the hair away from her wet face. Ready for... <laughs> Is that Kyle asking that? It's it's probably Kyle. <laughs> ready for what? God. The funeral's about to start. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Kimber, baby, where are you going? The concert's getting ready to begin. Kyle, this isn't a concert. It's a, it's a funeral. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's why people are so sad. Oh, that makes sense. Should I not have found the, the Bluetooth? I got the Wi-Fi password from the guy out front, and I got blue. Yeah. I found the Bluetooth for the speaker, so I was going to play some like some like slow jazz or something to kind of set the mood. Yeah, I found out what the airplay was, and I'm going to play Kevin Gates music videos for the rest of the, for the funeral, if that's okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to queue up. I'm just thinking with my dick, if that's cool with you all. <laughs> just the worst boyfriend ever. <laughs> but at the same time, it's he's the best character in this show. Yeah, yeah, he's hilarious. He's like the worst person, but he's the best guy. Yeah, here. I'm so glad he's here. All right, so ready for to leave. I can't be in here anymore. It's a disgrace to my mother. Kimber raised her head a notch and set her jaw. I knew this look and it meant there would be no reasoning with her. Colin and I looked at each other. This wasn't the plan. It'd be a lot more obvious if Kimber was missing from the service, especially with the low turnout. You guys go over and say what we rehearsed to my dad. Kyle, I will text you in 30 seconds. Go. Kyle nodded, Kyle nodded and started over and I knew we weren't arguing. Mr. Destero was finally standing, looking over at the front pew reserved for him and his daughter with hesitation. 
Mr. Destero, I said as we approached, I'm very sorry to hear about your wife. She was, shit, I'd forgotten my lines. A great woman who raised a wonderful daughter. Kyle finished. Yeah, he spat. Do great women commit unalived, leaving their wonderful daughters alone in the world? Uh, <clears throat> but for one, that's a crazy thing for the dad to say. Oh yeah, my wife was a great person? Really? And then, like, man, that, that's heavy. It is. I think that there's a couple ways to read this. I think that there's a couple ways that people process, um, you know, people grieve in different ways. And I think that you could be mad at somebody who did that. Sure, you know? sure, it's a very, absolutely. People can say it's a very selfish thing. And, you know, I think that, like, it's um, it is tragic and you feel horrible for the person. But I do think that people are that close do have the right to be angry and be like, you know, you left your daughter alone without a mom. Yeah. You know, yeah. I th I th as for a dad, I mean, I think that this is very like that in a way that can be a realistic response. Granted, saying it to a 16 year old is a bit. You know, <laughs> this is the second time irrational. in the story that Sam has been pushed into a super adult conversation that he's not equipped to be around. You're, yeah, you're first his boss at the sandwich yeah, the shop. Sandwich shop. Like, like, basically, my pussy doesn't work. I can't get pregnant, all this kind of stuff. And then the dad comes in. He's like, no, for real, her pussy does not work. <laughs> we cannot get pregnant. And he's just like, I'm just here making bologna sandwiches. I don't know what the hell you want from me. And now this guy's just like, yeah, my my dead wife. What a selfish bitch. And he's just like, okay. okay. Thank, you, thank you so much. It was. I just wanted to play GameCube with your daughter later. I didn't really want to get into this conversation. Still, it makes it even funnier thinking that Kyle's... Uh, Beats by Dre Pill, Bluetooth speaker is playing some kind of inappropriate music in the back. Makes the situation even more uncomfortable. As he's yelling about his wife leaving his daughter, you could just faintly hear, I got two phones. <laughs> I was going to say, it's Bon Jovi this time. He's thinking now that it, he's he's like, I'm, I'm going to throw back all these old heads here. He's like, yeah, he, he's playing Bad Medicine by Bon Jovi. Oh, man. Your love is like bad medicine. <laughs> bad medicine is all I need. Whoa. <laughs> He's like, come on, you guys know this one. Uh, sing like along now. The up. On the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the father continues <clears throat> and says, Do great women jump off buildings and make spectacles of themselves and leave their families to deal with the publicity and the grief? Ooh, I don't know if I like that line. Uh, the idea of leaving. Did you like the first the one? Well, the first one makes sense for a grief. Leaving person, their daughter, right? sure, sure. Sure. It's it's a thing of like, mm -hmm. you know, I think you can be angry, but the it's just the idea of leave fa leave families to deal with publicity and grief. To me, that's selfish. He's thinking selfishly and he's not thinking uh that, there is a layer about the loss. Uh, of, especially the word publicity, kind of like, oh no, you've embarrassed that's what, us. You know? That's like literally the whole what makes the whole sentence yeah. You know, if he just said leave families to deal with grief, that's, that's a completely that's different fine. sentence yeah, than yeah. to deal with publicity and grief. To me, there's it's just something where he's almost embarrassed that it yeah. happened versus yeah. he's sad about the outcome. Which further explains the cheap coffin, the low turnout, things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't I, see that. I agree. Man, that's heavy. He doesn't see that his wife deserves a coffin. Well, in a way, I'm wondering, you know, did he even put out that the funeral was going to happen? Is he just embarrassed? Mm. Is he just mad that he's like, oh, I look stupid now? Like, it, I don't know. Man, man. this is, that, is, know, that I, is a lot of heavy things that I'm sure Sam cannot unpack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's especially for a 16-year-old who works at a sandwich shop. Yeah, so okay. they say mayo is the sauce of the aristocrat. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. 
He's like, the guy's just like, what? <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> he like claps his hands. I'll talk to you later, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> and Cal's like, what was that? He's like, I just want to give him something to thank on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't worry. He's totally bought. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Sam would say. Everything's perfect. Gets him every time. Yeah. <laughs> Mayo. Mayo's the sauce <laughs> Needs to be on a t-shirt immediately with like a... What the fuck is the mayo? Like, with either, uh, like, uh, was it Hellman's? Is that, yeah, is that the, pop yeah, yeah. the most popular mayonnaise brand? It's Hellman's. Hellman's? It's Hellman's, Hellman's, yeah. Or Miracle Whip. Well, Miracle, Miracle Whip's a bit different, but yeah, sure, sure. Alright, Kyle's phone chirped. Okay, yeah, Kyle's phone chirped. Thank God. Oh, that's Kimber. Kyle said a little too fast. <laughs> oh, that's Kimber! <laughs> His phone goes off in his pocket. He's like, ah, that's Kimber having a breakdown, I'm sure. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be so funny if he answered. He's like, what's wrong? Just what? doing that every time. What? I'm trying to eat the sandwiches. <laughs> Sam what, said that what? the mayo was an aristocrat sauce or something, so I got to finish that up. <laughs> I just bought these minutes at Walmart, babe. You're wasting them. What's going on? What? Oh, that's Kimber. Kyle said a little too fast. Before he had time to actually look at his phone. Oh man, she isn't well. Says she's crying and feeling sick. I'm gonna go help her. No! Mr. Destero yelled so suddenly that Kyle dropped his phone Ooh. on the ground and where it made a loud clatter on the stone floors. Not you! You don't help my daughter! You don't even talk to her! He can go! And pointed at me. Whoa! Bro! Okay. Uh, okay, I stuttered. The plan had changed too much. I needed to somehow get the car keys from Kyle without being seen. Kyle gave me a shaky, subtle nod, and then he and Mr. Destaro went to sit down. It was obvious Kimber's dad was keeping an eye on Kyle. Getting the car keys from him was going to be nearly impossible. I backed into the shadows at the back of the room while the pastor started the service. I texted Kyle four times asking for help, but he wouldn't dare touch his phone. He just stared straight ahead flicking worried glances at Mrs. Destero every few seconds. After several minutes, I went to find Kimber to see what she wanted to do, but she wasn't in our meeting spot by the back door. The plan was falling apart. I pulled up my phone and sent her a text. Where are you? Kyle is next to your dad, and I can't get the keys from him. I waited in the hallway, tapping my phone against my hand nervously. After a minute or two, my phone vibrated. Kimber. I'm sorry I left without you guys. I had to get out of there. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. I'll be back before the end of the service, I promise. Can I... Can, I just want to... Is this, is this suspicious at all? Is that, is that suspicious at all to you? I don't, I don't know, Hunter. Is it? Is it suspicious? Would you consider this suspicious? I don't know. See, I, that, you th have no lifeline here because I know where this is going. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess. Well, that's true. I guess. I it's it's the th it's the thing of I'm like when I read something like that, the the face value of that is of course she has said it's it's very difficult. The turnout's low or whatever. Do you find? I mean, it, it, but there's puzzling things where she's like, I have to go be with my mom. All these different things before where she kind of just abruptly left the story. Mm-hmm. And stuff. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to harp too much on I'll it. I'll, to I'll, me I'll give you this. I'll give you this. Okay. It's not bad writing. No. I'll tell you. It's not. It's, not, it's not just like the author is like, okay, Kimber needs to exit scene. So she's exiting scene now. Um, sure. No, I, yeah. I don't think anything that's been written is without intent. I think everything has intent. 
It's about how you construe. That's the brilliant thing with this story so far, and with all good stories, is what can what did you can you be perceived at face value? How can you skew a narrative at face value? Yeah, you know, yeah. how do you trust people? You know, I think that's a great thing. I don't want to harp on it too much. That's, to me, I just wanted to raise a huge alarm. I have a giant flag that says "suspicious" yeah. that I'm waving. Yeah. Okay. That's all I wanted to say. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Do you want do you want to take this next part too? This conversation. Sure, I will. So uh, Sam says shit. And he replies back to uh, Kimber, and he says, be safe. It was now imperative that I not be seen. I went to the men's bathroom, locked myself in a stall, and played Snake for the longest 25 minutes of my life. I knew the service wouldn't go on much longer, so I texted Kimber again. He says, you anywhere back yet? Did you find it? I sat waiting, watching the minutes tick by. I texted her again. I think the service is ending soon. Where are you? After another seven minutes of no response, I tried calling, but it went to voicemail. I tried again with the same result. I was getting nervous. I was about to try a third time when two people walked into the bathroom and my phone vibrated with a text. It was Kyle. The service was over. Kyle says, Kimber has the keys. Why aren't you guys back yet? Did you find anything? I left the bathroom without washing my hands and received dirty looks from two strangers at the urinals as the door closed behind me. I found Kyle star staring out the window looking for my car. Kyle, he jumped. Where's Kimber? What did you guys find? I don't know. She left without me. What the fuck? Why? Where is she? I don't know, Kyle. She, she left without me, I reiterated. She's not answering my calls or my text. Fuck. Mine either. We have to keep an eye on her dad until she gets back. We're not the only ones. Kyle said, gesturing across the room. What the fuck is going on? Three men were talking to Kimber's dad in a corner across the room. Chief among them was Killian Clary. Ooh. Is that Chief Clary? That's Chief Clary, yep. <clears throat> okay. Who was once just a sheriff before, correct? Yes, that well, well he, he was, was the he chief. was he was the sheriff. The uh, he was the sheriff of okay. the, the county. Remember, he's the one who gave you weird vibes in the first part. Oh, so, oh yeah, okay, so it's just chief among them. So yeah, like, yeah, chief the guy among who's them prominent was amongst them. Clary, okay. Yeah. But he's retired now. Okay, so yeah, Clary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who was flanked by his two former deputies. Driskeen's retired sheriff had his hand on Mr. DeStaro's arm and was speaking to him in an angry, hushed tone. Kimber's dad was shaking his head and desperately objecting to something. The two deputies walked <clears throat> out of the front door of the church, and Mr. DeStaro sagged against uh, Killian Clary, who sat him in a nearby chair. Something was happening. That's a lot to take in. Yeah, I can continue. Actually, you know what? You are the one having the emotional uh, collapse here. So I can continue reading this part because <laughs> let me I'm, I'm I'm having too much fun. Like let me let me read just a little. Go ahead, more. go for let it. Me, it. All all that you want, all that you want. I just whatever facilitates okay. your mental breakdown the best. Okay. <laughs> call Kimber now, Kyle said. I tried again. This time the call rang twice, and was sent to a voicemail. That's suspicious. I ended the call and threw up my hands, looking desperately at Kyle. Again. He said and took out his own phone. I got the same result, but felt a jolt of re relief when someone answered Kyle's call. But it wasn't Kimber. Phil? What part of town are you in? I need a ride. It's an emergency. I waited. Yeah, man. I'm at Northridge Church. As fast as you can. I'm with Sam. I'll owe you. Kyle hung up and then immediately tried Kimber's phone. She's sending me to voicemail, too. We both stood at the window anxiously to see Phil's silver Mazda pull up. Kyle chewed his lip, and I tapped my phone. Come on, Saunders. We threw occasional looks back at Kimber's dad until Clary stood him up and ushered the now 
inconsolable man out of the church. Suddenly, Kyle's phone chirped. We both looked down to see Kimber's name flash up on the screen. Kyle's knees nearly buckled in relief, and he sat against the wall. Kimber. Kimber texted. I found it. Kyle opened the text and furiously typed reply. Kyle. They're coming for you, Kay. <clears throat> we both stared at the phone, waiting for a response. Just as the sun blinded us and it ref as it reflected off of Phil's approaching silver sedan, we got one. Kimber said, They're here. Oh, fuck. It was the last message we got from Kimber. When Phil dropped us at uh, DeStaro House, we found the front door unlocked and no one home. My car was sitting in the driveway, unlocked with the keys in the ignition. Kyle and I drove back to the church. The funeral was over, and the few people that I attended were already gone. We're already gone. We drove back to Kimber's house again, but it was just as we'd left it, and no one was home. Kyle had lost it by this time and was an absolute wreck. He called her so many times. I was sure he killed her battery. His calls went straight to voicemail, and his texts were unanswered. After half an hour of begging from Kyle, I finally, <clears throat> I finally called my dad. He answered immediately. Sammy, what's wrong? It, it's Kimber. She's gone, Dad. We've looked everywhere, but her and her dad are missing. She left the funeral early, and, and Killian Clary was talking to her dad, and then Samson and Grig left, and I think they were, went to her house, and they got her, Dad. I think they're still working... I think they're still working for Clary on the side and something, and I think they're trying to do something bad. She, whoa, whoa, slow down. Come by the station and let's talk. I'll take a statement from you boys, and I'll send a couple officers over to investigate the house right now. Just calm down, Sam. We'll handle this. I hung up and threw my, my car violently into reverse, jerking the wheel to the left as I hit the end of the driveway. Sam, Sam, how do we know? How do we know we can trust the cops? I'm not trusting the cops, I'm trusting my dad. I said my words sounding hopeless, even to me. I turned into the sheriff's office and Kyle was out of the car as soon as I slowed down enough to park. By the time I got inside, my dad had Kyle by the shoulders and was nodding solemnly. And I was, was nodding solemnly at everything Kyle was telling him. My dad saw me. He motioned for an officer to take us to his office. After a few minutes, he came in and sat down across the desk from us. All right, boys. I'm going to have Officer... Re Ramirez, come in a few minutes and take a statement from you both. I want you to know that at this point in time, it looks like DeStaro's left town voluntarily. No, no way, Mr. Walker. Kimber would never... My dad held up his hand for silence. Let me rephrase. Jacob DeStaro left town voluntarily. Kimber's a minor and has no legal rights here. If her dad said they're leaving, then they're leaving. But, we, but she's not answering her phone, and we went up to the house, Dad. Nothing was packed. Maybe they're just get, getting away for a while. Maybe going to relatives. I can't theorize as why she wouldn't answer a phone, other than maybe she wants to be left alone for a while. Kyle was exasperated. But, look, I know it's hard for you to understand, but losing a family member takes a toll on a person. Sam, you know that. We don't know how people are going to grieve, and we, <clears throat> and we don't have a right to. I think it's very likely that Kimber will be back by fall for school. The fall, Sheriff Walker? That's two months away. You need to investigate now. Kyle, I know you're upset and no one said we're not going to investigate thoroughly. Like you investigated Whitney's disappearance thoroughly? Oh, shit. I spat and I didn't <laughs> regret the words. Holy shit. <laughs> Sam! He snapped with more force than I'd ever heard him use. I'm tired of listening to you insinuate that I didn't do everything I could to find Whitney. I love your sister more than you can imagine. She's my daughter, Sammy, and I will never give her up. And what about the deputies that left her funeral to go after her? Kyle interrupted. 
My dad raised an eyebrow at me. Samson and Grig? I grounded out through the clenched teeth. He sighed. Boys, Samson and Greg left the funeral because I sent them out on a call. I stood up violently, knocking over my chair in the process. Oh, come on, Dad! All right, that's enough! The sheriff slammed his hands on the desk and stood up. I told you I would tell you what I know and, and have. I understand your friend is important to you, and God damn it, the Destaros are friends of mine too. I promise that I will use the full extent of my resources to track them down and put your minds at ease, but until then... All I can offer is the assurance that there is no sign of foul play at this time. You boys need to get off this war path and let us handle this. Now Ramirez is waiting in the hall to take your statements and that both of you are going home. Understood? I said nothing and glared at my dad, seething with rage. Kyle stood up and walked out of the room with no emotion whatsoever. He walked past Ramirez and I followed him out to the car. We got in and I waited for Kyle to say something. I heard a loud sniffle and looked over at him, his face slick with tears. It was the first time I've ever seen Kyle, but not the last. It was the last time I it was the last time it was the first time I'd seen Kyle cry, but not the last. He's lying, he whispered. I just shook my head. I didn't know what to believe. Kyle turned his face away from me. I know he's lying. Something bad has happened, and he's lying about it. What 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 happened? I heard more sniffling as Kyle tried to collect himself. Dude, fucking talk to me. What do you think happened? Kimber's gone like all the others. So she's at this place where bad things happen. I punched the steering wheel. How the fuck could this happen? Not Kimber. Please not Kimber. Was all this because of me? Had her mother killed herself because of something I'd done? Something we find out? Was Kimber taken, be was t was Kimber taken because of me? If I thought for one minute that this was true, that I knew I would crack into tiny pieces. No. Not Kimber, no. Yes, Sam. Fucking think about it. Kyle yelled at me. It's the treehouse. It's all the same. Baraska, the skin men, the triple tree, your sister, the mountain. It's all the fucking same. It's the Prescott Empire. And now Kimber has been fucking consumed by it. Where do we go? I could feel the warm tears of my own desperation and hopelessness sliding down my cheeks. What do we do? What do we fucking do? Kyle threw his hands up in frustration. We have to go to Ambercott, right? Let's start at the triple tree, Sam. Surely you figured that out. We've been in the treehouse a million times, Kyle. There's nothing there. I don't know where the fuck else to go, Sam. Rap, rap, rap. I jumped as someone tapped on the window of the car and wiped the tears off my face. I rolled down the window as Officer Grigg leaned down and looked in the car. You boys move along home, all right? Yep. I said and turned the key into the ignition. Officer Grigg waved us as we pulled out of the parking lot, and we didn't wave back. The treehouse, Kyle said. We drove in silence, both of us desperately trying to get a hold of ourselves. If we were going to be of any help to Kimber, we needed to calm down, calm enough to think logically. I parked in the space next to the trailhead and saw several bikes tied to the post. As we made our way to the West Rim Prescott Ore Trail, we passed Parker and a couple of his friends coming in. I nodded to him, but Kyle said nothing. Just stared at the trail, reaching for the only place he knew to go. It was almost dark by the time we got to Ambercott, and there was a little light left to search for whatever Kyle hoped to find. It took an, a half an hour in the darkness before I finally convinced Kyle that there was nothing there to help Kimber. And though we didn't speak of it, I knew that he and I were both painfully aware of all the sounds of the night. We were scared, terrified down to our very bones. That we would hear piercing, scraping, grinding, and metal screams of the monster at Baraska that we'd become so accustomed to over the years. We both dreaded it, prayed it wouldn't come, 
and we did not speak of it. I dropped Kyle off at home and promised we would find Kimmer tomorrow. I swore we would. He gave nothing more than a shallow nod and disappeared inside this house. My dad was waiting for me in the kitchen when I got home a few minutes later. I didn't look at him and walked over to the fridge, realizing I hadn't eaten all day. Sammy, sit down. I want to apologize for today. Hold on, hold on. It I, took I, us I, a... I want you to okay. pause. Where's your mind at right now with the story? It's hard. I'm like, <laughs> I'm rolling through it. It's... I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting through all of the things that I've read and said and acted and stuff. And Obviously, the first thing I want to address is um, Clary, mm-hmm. ex-Sheriff Clary. Yep. Talking to the dad, Greg and them going off inconspicuously while Clary was like yelling at him at his own wife's funeral and then they went off and then the dad to be in in in, in on the the lie basically mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way that he called them to do something that just doesn't make any sense to me I, I think that like there's nothing to indicate as well that there was an emergency to me I just think it, I think Greg officer Greg and the other officer went in a and got Kimber and they're t- and they took them somewhere. Same with the with the dad. What what the dad did is I don't know. There's not enough information to really clarify what the dad did wrong or what was going on. But all of these things don't feel orchestrated by the dad or Kimber or any of the townsfolk. It feels like maybe the Prescotts or somebody else is orchestrating everything that goes on in this town. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. They are the they are the literal puppet masters of this town. And there is something that they are trying to secure and hold, and there's some kind of power they have that I think is greater than a financial gain that they have in the town. Um, and I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I, I I feel horrible. I think I don't think Kimber, it's the last time we're going to hear from Kimber, but I do think the dad is in dire straits. I think that the Kimber is as well, and I don't know how they're going to get to this Baraska place, but in my mind right now, it feels like Sam knows in his heart. And so does Kyle that she's in Baraska and that some kind of like greater entity is at play here. Um, I'm curious to see what the dad says. So I'm going to keep reading. Okay. Continue. Which he says, which he says, Sammy sit down. I want to apologize for day. I took out some chicken and cheese and went to the pantry for bread. I know you're scared. I know that a lot has been going on and you can't exactly write to, he sighed. Anne. Anne has been depressed for a good long while now. Sam, over 20 years. That'll weigh on a person. I ignored him and continued making my sandwich. I was dying inside, wondering if I could even trust the man I called my dad for my entire life. She was suffering, Sam. And sometimes people who suffer that deeply don't know any other way out. She knew her depression was hurting her husband and her daughter. And maybe she mistakenly thought she was doing them a favor. Mom's depressed. I said without taking my eyes from the task. He sighed. Your mother is coping, okay? This is very different, Sam. Kimber's mom has been depressed since she was in her 20s. Early in her marriage, Anne suffered multiple miscarriages. Infertility can be very hard on some couples. And not even Kimber's birth. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I just, I forgot about that part of the story. I hate, I hate, I hate this stupid story so much. It's I'm going to do something violent. All right, continue. Let me read that again. Early in her marriage, Anne suffered multiple miscarriages. Infertility can be hard on some couples and not even Kimber's mother's. Not even Kimber's birth could totally ease her pain. 
that, I don't know that doesn't not hitting that me. doesn't mean it's anything to me you yet. It will. Dad, with all due respect, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Kyle and I are getting up early to look for Kimber. I threw the knife in the sink with a loud clang and turned to look at my dad for the first time. Please tell me you're still trying to find Kimber. The sheriff stood up from the kitchen table, looking as tired and disheveled as I felt. I promised Sammy, and I finally believed him. The next morning, when I pulled up to Kyle's house, Parker came out to meet to meet me. Hey, Parker, I said when I rolled down the window and the cool morning air wafted in. Kyle's not here. He left around five. Oh, fucking Kyle. <laughs> Stole my dad's truck. He's pissed, so you better go. Thanks, man, I said, then rolled up the window and took down the street. I drove around all morning for Kyle and calling his cell, but he didn't pick up until around noon. <clears throat> Sorry, man, I, I couldn't sleep. Kyle sounded a bit more stable this, uh, than yesterday. That's cool. Where are you at? I don't know exactly. A rare spot where I'm getting service. You in the woods? Yeah, she's out here, Sam. Somewhere in these mountains, I can feel it. I know it. All right, well, I'll meet you. Okay, just come down to West Rim Trail and I'll meet you there. I was only five minutes away, so I arrived before Kyle had time to get down to the mountain. Mr. Landy's red Dodge Ram was parked haphazardly in a no-parking zone, and I figured it would probably be towed by the time we got back. I doubted Kyle cared at this point, though. I crossed my arms and leaned against my car as I waited for him, staring up, staring up the dirty red trail in impatience when Kyle finally showed half an hour later. He was covered in sweat and dirt and dejection. So... I said, pushing up, pushing up off the car. No, nothing, man. All right, well, let's keep searching. We hiked miles and miles on the mountain that day, but we didn't find any sign of human life. For the next few days, in the sun, it was if the sun was out, so were we. Kyle was growing more and more desperate, crossing onto private property to look for logging equipment and mapping out county counties many miles to uh, many mines to search for abandoned buildings. But the mountain was big and the needle buried deep in the haystack. And as the days slipped away, so did Kyle's sanity. Every time I saw my dad, he would give me a sober look and promise me that they were still looking. It seemed to me that even if he was growing concerned, the Destaro house remained as cold and empty as the space between the stars above it. On the 11th night of our Kimberless ex existence, I was awoken out of a troubled sleep by the piercing, whirling, screeching sound of death at Baraska. I just cried myself back into sleep to the tortured sound of Kyle's own agony next door. We had failed her. Kimber was dead. End of part three. Man. My God. I'm actually... My God. As, as I'm remembering parts of the story, I'm actually getting kind of depressed a little bit. Like, I'm... I'm pretty... Yeah. I don't know why I suggested we cover this one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't. I hate everyone I who commented if, uh, this story. I hate me for mentioning this story. Uh Do you? I mean, I don't believe she's. I don't believe she's dead. I mean, I don't know the, the part three. I mean, I'm. I'm hoping she's not dead. I'm. I'm hoping that they can do something to. I guess f f find some kind of solution. But man, that's just. F there's so much. It's like uh, the gas pedal was really hit. It's not that. The, it's not that even that nothing has happened so far in the story. But in terms of like actual, in terms of actual things that have happened, I mean this this was a heavy chapter. Like a lot more mystery. A lot more like 
a lot more tragedy happening in real time. Like Kimber leaving, it's just all it, it's all stacking up on me. I don't know. I like I still don't trust the dad. I feel like the dad is just treating his kid like a kid. And he's just like, yep, no nothing. Don't have anything. Their dad being mysteriously gone. You, it's, you can't trust anybody in town now. You know, I think the kids are lost, and I think that it's, it's it's reaffirming the fact that as you get older, you get led into this thing. But it does feel, once again, like the guilt or sins of our fathers is the primary is it, it it's the primary focus or like north star for the story. Feels like every adult has something that they are hiding and not telling anybody, and the Prescotts are at the top, are at the top of it. Um, controlling it all. I, I'm very curious to see. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're on part four. It feels crazy. We're on part four. This is the last chapter. I know that there's a chapter five you were saying that was kind of a what-if situation, but we're going to end on cha- on part four here. This is the last part. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know you know what happens, but is there anything, any thoughts you have? It's this is The a tone really, of you has... has, it, has it, your, it the tone has, that you're... It has, because I don't... I'm... Uh, gosh i forgot why this story stuck with i mean i I remember objectively what happened but i forgot how devastating this story gets and why it stuck with me for so many years and like it's it's a horror story right and the purpose of horror is to horrify to like trouble you to make you think about it and that's why i'd still say this is like the scariest creepypasta i've ever read because i remember i remember being like 16 years old and reading this and just like thinking about it for weeks uh i mean right now the 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 horror the exasperated fantasy like horror that is you know you know like when i say fantasy horror i mean it's fantastical it's out of this realm of belief like you know like like jason Voorhees coming back all these times and killing people is objectively scary but no one comes back from the dead you know what i mean like that's just it's like these things like that this is all Everything that the story has told us so far in terms of the horror, which is the sounds are coming from the mountain, the Baraska, the skin men that we have not seen. They're all urban legends. They're all things that are passed down by man. And more of the horror comes from the tragedy of deception. It comes from the tragedy of loss. Um, these are all very real and it feels very impactful. It could be, I mean, so far it's reading as a drama and the horror is the realities of being lied to. You know, I think that 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 within itself is horror enough. But yeah, I mean, do you want to take uh, do you want to take part four and start it? This last part here. Sure, sure. That that sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> I'm so. I know the energy. I mean, it's crazy. I need I to wake back even, up. Even, I need, even if it is sad, I need, you're right. You're right. I need to. Well, the, I am well, a podcast it's, host. It's, by it's, God, it's I need just, to. Pull it's it just together. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that even the viewers are going to see this. I mean, <sighs> as soon as that one line about Anne's pregnancy came up i mean it took you i mean it zapped all of i mean it, it zapped you yeah i forgot i forgot I mean, if about... there's something palpable that's gonna happen i mean it's just <sighs> I, I, i'm i'm hooked i mean i'm i'm wired i need to know what the all fuck right, happens. I i'm i'm happy to see here i can i, I can wake up i'm a podcast host. i can i can be better it's just a story it's just a story it's just a story yeah, it's, okay. it's a real job we promise <laughs> yeah yeah it's this is a this is an emotionally <laughs> draining important career yeah 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 uh, all right. This matters to me. Okay. Uh, when I pulled up to his house the next morning, I could tell Kyle cracked. 
His skin had taken a yellowed color and his voice was flat and void of emotion. It's not over yet, Kyle, I said as he dropped into the seat next to me. Yes, it is, Sam, he all but whispered. No, I don't believe that. Kimber's dad is missing too, you know. Maybe it was him instead of... That was... That was... I couldn't bring myself to say it. We're living in hell. Trisking. It's hell in our own reality. I couldn't disagree. That town I'd grow to love seems so foreign to me now. Whitney hadn't been an outlier like I thought. Missing people were the norm here. And that would make Jimmy Prescott the king. He's Satan himself. As soon as the words were out of my mouth, Kyle punched the car door, waking from his dead state with a rageful vigor. I'll kill Jimmy Prescott! Where is he? You know he's involved in all this, Sam. You know, maybe partially, I said, staring out the window. His dad created the town that bred this shit, but I'm pretty sure the Prescotts are just running drugs. You know, the powder. Yeah, and so what? He's recruiting people to, to, be, to be drug mules or, or something. Maybe, I agreed for Kyle's sake, though I didn't really believe it. The sound, the great beast machine of Baroska gave off the distinct stench of death. And though I knew the, that physically that was impossible, it didn't change my mind about it. The air smelled different after the metallic wailing ended. We drove over to 4th Street Gourmet Coffee and Bakery and went in to buy our usual provisions of rock stars and monsters. As I paid for the four packs of cans, I saw Mira waiting on, waiting on coffee at the end of the bar. I could tell immediately that she was in a good mood, something that I hadn't seen much of since I started working for her. It was probably a good time to tell her I was calling out of work for my fifth day in a row. Hi, Mira, I muttered when I approached. Um, I can't come in again today. I've got some, uh, some really important... Sam! Oh my gosh, how are you? Um, oh, okay, I stuttered. Good, she said brightly. Don't worry about coming in. I'll hold down the fort and I'm sure I can call Emmeline in if I need help. But really, Sam, what have you been up to lately that's so important? My mind blanked. Just as I started to stutter out some bullshit about helping my dad, Kyle appeared behind me. We're trying to find Baroska, he said with all the gravitas of a eulogy. Ah, uh, yes, Owen told me you'd asked him about that. You know, that's just a story, Sam. That legend has been around since I was a kid. Yeah, well, we're looking for our missing friend Kimber. We think maybe she's there, I trailed off lamely. Oh, really? I thought I heard the Desteros were staying with relatives in Maine over the summer. Oh, well, anyway, good luck, boys. Thanks. Kyle's voice was sour, and I knew his patience was thin. When we got back in the car, we each popped open a can of Rockstar and started chugging. I knew better than to ask Kyle if he wanted to smoke, since I was sure he hadn't lit a bowl since before Kimber disappeared. He finished the energy drink in under a minute and crumbled the can in his hand. I don't like your boss, he said. Mira? Why not? I don't know. She's just off. Well, I mean, she's been going through some things. I wasn't going to elaborate any further. Yeah, why were you asking her husband about Baroska anyway? I don't know. I was just making small talk and I thought he might know. He seemed to know about a lot of other things. And did he know? Nah. I took a gulp of the sour drink and then choked on it when I remembered something Owen had said. Well, actually, yeah. He said a Baroska instead of just Baroska. You know, like it's a thing instead of a place. Kyle lowered his rock star. And is it? Is it what? Is it a thing? I don't know. I've never heard of it. I've Googled everything weird about this town, but nothing ever came up. Did you spell it right? I don't know, I shrugged. Do you know how to spell it? No. I pulled out my phone. No. <laughs> 
Could you read that with the, the attitude it deserves? <laughs> no, fuck Google! <laughs> Kyle said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, we, we need to talk to Catherine Scanlon. That's what Kimber would say. If you'll remember, Catherine was the, uh, the historical society person at the library. Um, right. So, he was right. Catherine Scanlon may be the best, uh, may be the most knowledgeable person in town and was probably the right person to ask. I pulled out a 4th Street coffee and prayed she was at her office already. When we parked in front of Drisking Arts and Antiques, I was disappointed to see that the store was dark. Kyle pointed to a small, cheap, open sign hanging in the corner of the door and I crossed my fingers that it was for Catherine's office. I was relieved to find the door unlocked and we hurried past all the antiques and blown glass to the back of the store where we found an open door and Catherine sitting at her desk. Boy, she stood up when she saw us. You're up quite early for summer break. How did the essay do? Uh, great, I said. Actually, we're here for more help. Personal interest, Kyle added. Catherine raised her eyebrows. Color me impressed. I needed to get right down to it. If by some small chance Kimber was still alive, then every second counted. We're here because we want to know if Baroska is a thing or a place. Catherine raised her eyebrow. I remember that legend as a kid. I'd actually have to tell you I didn't know if it wasn't for Wyatt. He knew so little about so much, she laughed. A sort of jack-of-all-trades. Anyway, he told me an interesting fact once about Baroska. It's both. What do you mean? I leaned on her mm -hmm. desk. Well, the term Baroska is just old. Outdated lexicon. The word was used by miners to describe an underperforming mine. A mine, I whispered. Kyle shook his head. We've been looking at mines. So all the mines in Butler County are Baroskas, I asked. Well, generally, it's only the first mine in the system to run dry that is called a Baroska. Do you know which mine ran dry first in our mining system? Kyle asked from where he stood near the door, repeatedly clenching and unclenching his fists. Uh, not off the top of my head, no, she laughed. I can look, though. I think I have those records here somewhere. Catherine walked behind her desk and opened a drawer of loose files. This is an odd thing to be interested in for boys your age, but I guess I should be glad you two are so eager to learn, especially over the summer. Yes, ma'am, very eager, said Kyle. Is the Baroska the first mine that ran out of ore? Um, was that by chance the same one those kids disappeared in? The McCaskies? Oh, no, I don't think so. That particular mine was the Southwest Mine and was very close to town. I think it was one of the last to close, actually. Ah, here we go. This packet should have that information. Catherine spent far too long moving books around on the desk to make room for the stack of paper she had. Kyle and I paced around the room nervously, trying to appear casually interested, while the energy drink started coursing through our systems. Here we go. The first mine to close was the North Central Mine, which was... Yeah, actually, one of the first to open. But where is it? Kyle walked over to the desk and braced his arms on it. Where is that mine? Um, Catherine pulled over a different stack of papers and started to fumble through it. After the longest minute of my life, she made an aha sound and pulled out a large yellow piece of paper that had been folded into a standard A4 size. She unfolded it on the desk and leaned over to read the markings. I could see from where I was standing near the doorway that it was a map, and I knew we weren't leaving this office without it. Let's see. The mine was up further on the mountain, a little hard to get to. See? And she pointed at a small dot on the map that was at least four miles from where we'd been looking. Can we take this? Kyle asked. We'll bring it back. 
Of course, I'm sure I have copies. Listen, if you boys are going exploring, I I'm bringing my dad. I lied. Oh, excellent. Then you guys have fun. She yelled at us as we rushed out of the building. We didn't stop to answer her. Fun was far from our minds. It's... It's, it's so far from where we've been looking, Kyle stuttered. We need to go there now, and we need to get a gun. A gun? Where are we going to get a gun, Kyle? From your dad. He's not going to give us a gun, man. Fine, then let's scout the place first, and then we'll come back with a gun. That didn't seem like a good idea to me either, but what choice did we have? After studying the map for several minutes, we realized the easiest way to access the mine was still through the West Rim Prescott Ore Trail. We parked at the trailhead and made the familiar hike down the marked trail and then up the beaten path, realizing that we'd have to travel past Amber Cot Fort on the way, and I knew in my heart that we were going the right way. We were walking the same path that so many people before us had on their way to Baraska. But what had they found there? We passed the treehouse, which was as silent as the morning. We walked on in the woods, further north than we had ever been before, and soon we were flying blind, hiking in the general direction of the dot on the map and hoping we were still on course. Within an hour, I began regretting that we'd come without provisions, emotional and unprepared. By noon, we had been hiking for four hours, and it seemed to me that we were lost. I tempered the welling panic with thoughts of Kimber and Whitney and the answers to the mystery that had absorbed my life for so many years. Kyle, for his part, said nothing and kept his eyes straight and his mission his priority. And then, just as the sun teetered on the apex of the day, we saw an emptiness through the trees and the hard lines of man-made buildings. Kyle quickened his step and I rushed to keep up. When we finally broke through the tree line, I choked on my own deep breath and fell back against a tree as I looked over the quiet encampment. A large wooden signpost that was almost as long as the entire clearing was still standing near the entrance of the mine. It had to be a century old, and though most of the letters had rotted over the years, those remaining from those remaining, I could guess that it had once said, Drisking Underground Mine. What was left, however, was skinned men. Skinned men. Oh! Yeah, yeah. There you go. Huh. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's, that, that's I, a that, bombshell. That's one of my favorite details of this story. How... That's, a, that's fucking awesome. The local legend worked its way in that the skinned men are up on the mountain. But no, it's the skinned men location. The Drisking Underground Mine. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 I always like, been uh, one of my favorite aspects of the story. How the skinned man is like a red herring, but it's still not. You know, like it works its way in. Yeah, it does. It's uh, it's such a it's such a fucking awesome. Oh, it's so satisfying. Yeah. isn't it though? I remember reading that the first it, time. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's good. That's that good. Gun. It is. But the thing too that makes it so good is just the aspect that how no one really goes up there right no one really knows it's kind of an off the beaten path thing so you usually stop at the treehouse so it would make sense that kids would be like oh yeah you gotta watch out for the skin men around here yep. but it's just hearsay it's just urban legend that's been passed down time after time for over a century essentially you know i mean like that's extra oh man that's that's awesome that's good skin men that's good all right well keep going <laughs> how are you feeling right now you digging it I'm anxious. Cool. All I'm. Right. You should be. I'm anxious. I think that um, the librarian is, if, if she feels like a saint, like I love, I love her guidance so far in this. Like, 
I don't I don't have a bad feeling about her, but the there's one thing about Mira being so chipper after the fact that Kimber is gone makes me suspicious of possibly the pregnancy thing. I don't know if there's something that correlates there. It's making me very suspicious of some kind of ritualistic thing happening in town. I don't know. I'm relieved that it isn't actually skin men having it that, like that's that's a really nice that's a really nice aversion not that even having the skin men what couldn't be something that could work but in terms of something that is once again grounded in reality it's keeping this the tone of this entire story extremely consistent and we're still I mean, we, we don't even know what the the core nut of this story is to be had i mean i we're getting to something i mean this is the last part so we'll see I'm just going to keep reading. Stop me if you need to. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. also going to say we probably should have put this in the beginning of the series. I understand that, you know, we're, we're adults and everything, so we can handle intense subject matter. But for anyone listening, this is your final warning. Um, viewer discretion. Anyway. Oh, shit. That way. I know. I know. All right. Here we go. That way, Kyle pointed to the north end of the camp. We stepped out from the shadows and into the vulnerability of the clearing. There were several large buildings still standing, and the boarded-up entrance to the ore mine was set back in the mountain. We're not getting in there, I whispered. Let's try that building, he said, and pointed towards the one nearby, which was the largest and at least two stories tall. We counted to three and then ran across the camp to the large wooden doors of the old building. They were cracked open, and when we squeezed inside, I had no doubts that death was indeed present in Baraska. We were standing in what I guessed was a refinery, and in the middle of the room was a large, silver, conically shaped machine. A conveyor belt fed into it, and the room had a sour smell. Even the dirt beneath our feet seemed to have taken on a crimson tint. This is the machine. This is where they take them, I said. This is the place where people die. Kimber isn't here, come on. I was only too happy to squeeze back out the door of the building and tiptoe around the side. We rounded a corner and almost ran into a recently waxed, shiny, green truck parked there. This is Jimmy Prescott's truck, I breathed. I know whose truck it is, Kyle growled. We were now on extraordinarily high alert. Kyle dropped to the ground and began to commando crawl around the building. I followed him waiting to hear a shout or a gunshot, but none came. As we crawled around to the back of the building, Kyle turned around to me and put his finger over his lips, then pointed at a one-story brown building that was only a dozen feet away from us. He got into a crouched position and moved as fast as he could across the gap between the two buildings. I did the same. As soon as I reached the wall next to him, Kyle whirled around and put another finger to his lips and then pointed up to a window directly above us. There were noises coming from inside, and even to me, a 16-year-old virgin, the sounds of sex were unmistakable. We could oh hear God. an animalistic grunting, and the tired... Oh, man. Uh, this is rough. I forgot about... Mm. The tired, objecting groans of an old mattress. Unable to help myself, I whispered, WTF, to Kyle, but he was already gone, all caution abandoned, running around the side of the building. I followed him through the first store we came upon and was hit in the face by an invisible wall of filth and suffering. 
The smell knocked me back, but Kyle kept running. I followed him in past crates of ramen noodles, MREs, bottled water, and boxes I had no time to read. I crossed another threshold and I was suddenly surrounded by people. So many people. I skidded to a halt and realized I was standing in a sort of dorm. Rows and rows of beds on either side of me with people strapped to them, some of them wearing dirty rags and some wearing nothing at all. Many seemed to be bloated and I waited for one to call out to me but they all remained silent. Some watching me through tired, dead eyes and others turning away. Looking around I realized they were all women and the bloating I saw seemed to be pregnancies. Some were confined to their beds and others were not. Okay, pause. Yeah. Pause. Yeah. So they are going into the, just to, just to let that breathe for a second. Yeah, yeah. They found basically what is essentially people being insimulated. Is, is that the right word, insimulated? In, is um, that the... Inseminated? Um, and these women, I'm guessing, are like almost like army barracks style, just like in beds next to each other, all pregnant in yeah. this deal. So we're basically led to believe that women are taken here to be impregnated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is uh disgusting. Yeah. This yeah. is uh yeah. especially the the responses to it too were it's almost like they have no energy, like almost like they're sedated. They're not really saying anything. They're just kind of like mm -hmm looking or some of them just like look away there's really no emotional reaction to it which makes it even more haunting some of them aren't even tied down it says some of them they're just laying there they're just laying there they're they're broken okay yeah i'm again i'm sorry to you and the audience um i looked around the room for kyle and saw him standing a little further in the long room looking back at me with the same confused, wild expression I was sure was on my face. I saw the realization cross his and called out to him, but he was already running again. I lost him before I had taken five steps to follow. I figured it was probably best to just keep running, spread out and look for Kimber. I didn't see her in this room, and I was sure she would have called out to us if she was. I oh, my around God. For... Hold on. Hold yeah. on. Pause. No. Kimber, Kimber's mom was held here through all their different pregnancies and stuff like that, probably forced to have a child. And she probably did that and left the, left the fucking letter for Kimber because she knew this was the same fate that she was going to have. Well, uh, I will say that we, you are going to see the letter by the story's end. Okay. Um, all right. I, 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 okay. I'll go ahead and keep going then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I looked around for another door and saw one cracked open on the left behind a row of beds. I stared straight added as I made my way there, desperate to avoid the wretched, void eyes of the women around me. First we help Kimber, then we help the others. I will come back and help you all, I promise, as soon as I find Kimber. Without a thought, I pushed the door wide open as soon as I'd reached it and found the source of the noise we'd heard outside. It was Jimmy. Something I'd been expecting to see, but the scene before me was not. He was hunched over the bed of an almost unrecognizable, unresponsive Christie treating her like an animal. She watched me through the slits of her dead eyes, but she didn't, gosh, this is, whoo, through the slits of her dead eyes, but she didn't call to me for help. I thought I saw a tear run down her cheek before she turned her face away from me to face the wall on the other side. Oh my gosh. Uh, 
WTF, I didn't even realize the words were audible. I had never seen this depth of human suffering. Jimmy's head snapped around to look at me and briefly registered surprise before he smiled at me in a way that turned my insides to ice. He didn't stop what he was doing and, oh my gosh, ah, I feel oh sick. <sighs> and I want nothing more than to run over and push him off of Christy, but to my utter shame, I couldn't force myself to come any further into the room. Sam, Sam, Kyle's voice echoed through the building and immediately cured me of my paralysis. I found myself running back into the minor storm and away from Jimmy Prescott and Christy. Kyle, back here, hurry, please. I, I, I found Kimber. I followed his voice through the maze of beds and room as a cacophony of voices began to follow me. Help us, please. Oh, God. There were maybe only a handful of girls yelling at me, but it sounded thunderously loud as it filtered through my guilt. Ugh. The weight of all their misery dropped down upon me and it almost pushed me into the ground. I will, I'll get help, I'll help you. I promised him as I followed Kyle's voice still screaming desperately from an adjacent room. I sprinted across another threshold and saw him, hunched down near a corner bed, helplessly yanking on a leather strap attached to it. I slammed it into the bed and fell to my knees, trying to work out what he was doing and how I could help him. I tried not to look at the bed because I knew I couldn't see her like that. I could, gosh, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. I couldn't bear it. If Kimber looked at me through the same accusing, empty eyes as Christy and the others had, I might lay down on the ground beneath her and curl up into a ball. Go around the other side, unbuckle the other two straps. Kyle had the high-pitched voice and wild, desperate eyes of madness. I ran around the other side and did as he'd said without shaking, with, with shaking awkward hands. <coughs> oh, boys, Jimmy's voice rang out from somewhere in the building. I had just freed Kimber's ankle and was working on her wrist. She whimpered when she heard him and buried her face in my shoulder. Do you think you're hiding? I know where to find you. I know right where I put that girl. I'll kill you, Prescott, you sick... Oh, I'm not saying that, but you sick. I'll stop all your bows and bleed you out. Kyle had lost all reason and strategy. He was filled with rage instead of fear, and it scared me even more. I pulled Kimber's wrist from the final strap and yelled, Go! Now! We pulled Kimber up off the bed and quickly realized that her legs could barely support her. She was heavily sedated and breathing weakly. We braced her on either side and moved as quickly as we could through the nearest doorway, away from Jimmy. We were in another dorm, though this one was filled with mostly empty beds. I could see sunlight shining through the door at the end of the long room, and we raced toward it as Kimber made little cries of pain. I didn't think my heart could break anymore, but I was wrong because in the next moment, it did. I almost dropped Kimber when I saw her staring eyes. Her eyes were hollow and uninvested, and when I turned toward her, she looked away immediately as if she couldn't stand the sight of me. Whitney. I said weakly. Sam, let's go! Kyle screamed. I can't! I turned toward him as tears ran down my hot cheeks and Kyle saw her too. I can't, I, I can't stay, Kyle said, still moving towards the door. I have to get Kimber away from here, please! But he knew I wasn't going anywhere now. Good luck, bro, I said, and then we were both running in different directions. Whitney's hair was long, but it was thin, as was her face. Everything on her looked brittle except for her stomach, which bubbled out from her like an overblown balloon. She refused to look at me and flinched at my touch as I tried desperately to unbuckle her from the bed. I hadn't even finished the first belt when I heard Jimmy walk up behind me. I didn't bother to look at him or stop trying to free my sister. I didn't know what else to do. Pause, your... pause, 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 yeah, pause, 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 pause. Imagine 
Oh my god, I'm sick to my stomach. I am too, I am too. As soon as like the details started, I was like, oh boy, we're about to get there. I, I, that's why I had that change it's in so, tone. It's so, so zero to a hundred. Like so honestly, it's so bad. Yeah, yeah. And imagine finding your sister after how many years? You know what I mean? It's been she's like just been here 10, the entire time. Yeah, yeah. A just decade. Up, just up a, a decade of being trapped here. Unbelievable. This, and then Jimmy so far, I mean, has become a literal fucking boogeyman with he's how he is. Yeah. yeah. As he's like walking through here. I mean, d disgusted. Dis absolutely disgusted. Yeah. Go, go, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, I admire your grit, kid, Jimmy said, and then sat down on the bed behind me and continued to watch me, giving no objection to what I was doing. You probably think your friends got away, but there's no sense in fal false hope, is there? There's no sense in any of this. My voice sounded frail, and it cracked over the last word. You're wrong about that, Jimmy sighed. But just so you know, I've got Clary out there looking for them already. People making a lot of noise coming down off this mountain. Trust me on that. Sheriff Clary? I was desperate to keep him talking, anything to keep him from trying to stop me. Oh, yeah. You know he was supposed to retire from the business, but unlike the previous sheriff, he kept a few horses in the race. Horses? Nothing made sense. Yep. Jimmy slapped the bed next to him. We call these buildings the stables. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, uh, God. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> that Honestly, that made my stomach turn. That is... <sighs> oh. We can pause for a second. That is, uh, uh... I'm, I am a bit ill. Uh, I apologize to everyone listening. You know what's wild? When I was 16 and reading this, I remember, like, being freaked out by it, but I wasn't as sick about it, you know? I, don't I think th I was... it's, it's, it's such a traumatic... Yeah. ...real thing. Yeah, yeah. Like... I grew up, I mean, you, you, you grew up with this as well. I mean, you're a religious guy. I grew up in the Bible Belt as well. Mm -hmm. S sexual subjects are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They're extremely yeah. personal. Sex in general is extremely personal. And to do something that is this SA kind of um, content and stuff, and to think about that, it is the utmost depraved, and mm -hmm. it is the utmost... Um, it is the single worst way to exploit someone, and it is, uh, it's so tragically sad. It's like, um, there's really no other way that you can defile and humiliate someone, you know? It's, it's, hor it's horrible. I mean, like, I'm, and how casually, I mean, it's just so m demonic how he's talking about this how casually he's talking about it and to give it a name like that is especially after he laughs after saying it it's disgusting i mean it's 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 beyond depravity it's it's inhuman it's oh man this is brutal i mean i i i feel for the viewers right now i mean this is man i'm yeah yeah i'm sorry to everyone for um bringing you into this those of you that didn't ask for it um it's it, you know it's like it's like there's i also a level... now hate the i now hate the commenters who now suggested the story to <laughs> <laughs> i want to go yeah, back in time and be like nah, i'm okay 
I'm good. People I'm being good. like, you let's, should cover Baraska. Let's talk about Jeff the Killer again. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just talk about Jeff the Killer and some like weird 13 year old like edgy shit. That that's fine with me. This is. Yeah. Um. Let's just let's the, keep going. The, there's almost a level of terrible that is. Like, I think that's why this story didn't hit. Like, I liked it, but for how disturbing it was, but didn't bother me as much at 16 as it does now. Because, like, there's a level of intensity it gets to where you kind of quit registering it, you know? And it's just like, there's oh, things this is, when you're it's, young, it's there's things awful. that you can't process. Yeah. yeah. There's things that you, that you cannot, you cannot understand the weight of something when you're young. Yeah. When you're young, you cannot process you just you cannot you I understand people think that they know everything and that they have these well-established thoughts and ideas and stuff but until you're older until you've experienced some stuff until you've lived a bit and you're you're able to truly have empathy for these things it is extremely hard I mean and I just want to preface this as well because a lot of a lot of the you know quote unquote videos that I do, do circulate around some of these ideas and stuff. And it is because it is so extremely tragic. If there's really no other, there's no other subject matter that is so personal and so humiliating to put yourself in that situation. There's really no more uncomfortable way than having to, um, to deal with these things. Um, and I just, I guess I wanted to say that. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I can continue. Yeah. Um, all right. I dropped the last buckle on the floor and looked down at Whitney. I expected her to spring up and run toward the door while I went at Prescott, but all she did was rub her wrist and itch her collarbone. Then she put her arms back where they'd been, turned her head, gosh, man, turned her head away from me and shut her eyes. I slumped down onto the bed next to her and picked up her and picked up her cold hand. If she wasn't leaving here, neither was I. It was over. I sent a silent prayer up to a God I didn't know. And wish my friend safety. Wow, damn. Uh, uh. I mean, what else do you expect from somebody who's been there a decade? You know, it would be, it would be almost irrational for her to be in the mental state to just be like, "Yeah, let's flee." Yeah. I mean, she's broken, completely broken. <sighs> do you know what this is, Sam? I shrugged. It didn't seem to matter now. It's all about the babies. I stared down at Whitney and her swollen belly gave no indication I was listening. But gave no indication I was listening. You wouldn't believe how much money's in the industry. I mean, my dad was a smart man. And he knew we didn't have anything of value to sell. And back then, the Prescotts were dirt poor, out-of-work miners just like everyone else in town. He first got the idea when he sold my older brother off to pay for the legal fees to fight the city. I mean, some people will pay five figures for a newborn, you know? Even back then. And the organizations that buy them, well, they buy in bulk. But we still make a killing off them. And our overhead is very low. Oh, my God. Jimmy's, Wendigoon, uh, please please tell me that the dad did not fucking sell that daughter. I'm, I, I don't, don't tell me. I'm just saying, I, it, please tell me Sam's dad did not know about that. Like, keep going, please. Jimmy stood up. <laughs> Jimmy stood up and pulled the gun out of his waistband, then threw it on a bed across the aisle. You know, try to understand, Sammy. It's not just about the money. We use the stables for community services, too. Oh, my gosh. 
Ah! Lots of people in town come to us, you know, ever since the 50s. Oh I couldn't God. take it anymore. I didn't want to be here listening to this. I didn't want to see Whitney so broken, and I didn't want to wait for inevitable death. It was torture in its purest form. What are you waiting for? Why don't you just kill me? This isn't a James Bond movie. I don't care about any of this shit. Jimmy laughed loudly as if it was the funnest thing he ever heard. Kill you? Kid, if I could, then I already would have, but I'm not allowed to kill you. I've been trying to decide if I want to... Okay, I, I'm not reading that. <laughs> ah! Ah, gosh! What the heck? I forgot. This story's almost too... Like, I, yeah, sure, it's it's disturbing themes, and I understand things... I mean, this things... is disgusting to praise. I mean, they're really yeah, selling yeah. the... They're really selling jimmy as um i mean a monster i mean there's and the thing too yeah. when you're dealing with this subject matter if i can say anything about the story is that a person like this would not be holding back i mean this is all still sure, once sure. again yeah. very yeah. thorough through it they're not trying to this is a thing when you approach a subject like this you cannot just be like i'm just gonna hint at it and that's it i think yeah, it's kind of yeah, either yeah. all true. or nothing so in the realms of believability where the writer has been so far it makes sense to me yeah, I think it does make sense. I just want to throw up, is all. Yeah. Uh, she's not one of mine, but it might be worth it to see her face. Just j j just kill me and let her go. I'll kill myself if you let her go. I stood up from the bed, and Jimmy took two steps toward me and punched me so hard in the face that I fell back down on it. I moaned as I fought the tears and stars behind my eyes. I can't let her go. She's got one of our community service babies in her. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Grace says she's got another week to go. Two tops. Jimmy looked you down at Whitney. Do what? Wendy, do you want me to read this? I know this is like all kind of like pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go, you you go, you you go for it. it, baby girl. I'm just going to throw up and like rub my knees. Yeah, I don't want you to have uh, to skirt around this stuff. Um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't fine. let her go. I can't let her go, you little fuck. She's got one of our community services baby in her. Grace says she's got another week to go. Two tops. Jimmy looked down at Whitney and frowned. She's been putting out shit babies, though. And as soon as this one's out of her, she's got a date with shiny with the shiny gentleman. Oh, my God. Yeah. So now we, yeah. we're... Oh, my God. What the fuck does that mean? I yelled at him with a loud ring suddenly filled the room. Jimmy held up his finger and pulled out a phone out of his pocket. I gotta take a business call. Two minutes and we get back to our conversation. Jimmy walked over to a corner of the room and desperately started to pull out. To, and I desperately started to pull on Whitney. We gotta go. We gotta go. Whit, we can't stay here. She kept her eyes shut and her body lax. Whitney, they're going to kill you. My head whipped toward the door and I heard a truck skid in the dirt just outside of it. Jimmy ended his phone call and Killian Clary walked in, pushing a limping, bloody Kyle in front of him. Oh, no. Lose something, Prescott? Oh, shit. Where's the girl? Couldn't find her. Oh, thank God. I'm adding these things. Sorry, I'm adding these things. These are my reactions. <laughs> these fine. are my it's reactions fine. to me writing. Couldn't find her. Couldn't find Kimber. Thank God. God damn it, Clary. You fucked us. Go back out there and find that girl. Jimmy snatched his gun off the bed and shoved it into the back of his waistband. Now listen here, you little shit. Clary growled. I ain't your fucking employee and I don't have all fucking day to play and hide seek in the woods. I'm telling you she wasn't with him, so I guess if you want to know where she is, you should uh, get out of him. You should uh, get it out of him. Clary threw Kyle down on the floor and spit near his feet. I got to do your fucking job now. Jimmy walked over and without hesitation kicked Kyle so hard in the ribs. I heard some of them snap inside his chest. I tried to stand up and that was still <clears throat> and was still dizzy and fighting off the darkness. Where's your girlfriend, Landy? 
Prescott raised his boot and then stomped down hard on Kyle's ankle. He screamed in pain. I can do this all day, kid. Clary sat down on the bed across the aisle and lit a cigarette, watching him impassively. Jimmy pulled Kyle to his feet and then punched him in the face. A few of Kyle's teeth scattered across the floor. Tell me! <laughs> Jimmy punched him again in the face and Kyle went limp. You're killing him! I screamed and jumped off the bed, running blindly towards Jimmy in a red rage. Clary stood up and caught me with no effort at all, holding my arms down my sides. He laughed, cigarette still tucked in the corner of his mouth, and I struggled helplessly against his chest. Jimmy had straddled Kyle by now and was rapidly punching him in the face and chest. Kyle was barely conscious, and I prayed he'd pass out from the pain. After a full minute of this, Jimmy uh, stood up and rubbed his bloody fist. Last chance, Landy. Fuck you, Kyle said through a wheezing, rattled breath of air. Jimmy spit on him and raised his foot up as high as he could and brought it down on Kyle's face with so much force that I heard his skull break. I sagged in killing Clary's arms, and he dropped me in a puddle of his feet. Oh, my God. So Kyle just got murdered right in front of Sam. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jimmy bummed a cigarette off Clary, and they stood next to Whitney's bed watching, watching me cry. Jesus, what a mess. After a few minutes, Clary flicked his cigarette out and pulled out his phone. All right, Sam. Take your friend. I couldn't have heard him right. Fuck that. That little Landy shit ain't leaving here. You want to clean up this mess up, Prescott? I stood up and my knees didn't buckle beneath me. I stood up and my knees didn't buckle beneath me. I'm not leaving without my sister, I told them. Jimmy laughed. Yes, you are, Clary said. If you want to save your friend's life, he ain't dead yet. He ain't dead yet, Sam, but he will be soon. He tossed his keys at me. The road off this mountain is backed by the refinery. I let the keys bounce off me and fall to the floor. Clary swore at me. I knew he was right. I was a coward, and I would leave my sister and all the others just to he uh, here just so I could get away and save Kyle's life. I picked up the keys, and then, without looking at the two other men, I picked up Kyle by his shoulders, and his head rolled back as if no longer attached to his spine. His face was a collage of pulp and blood, and I struggled to stay calm and breathe as I dragged him out of the building. Clary and Prescott watched me, taking drags off their cigarettes and saying nothing. I knew they were probably lying to me. Kyle would be dead by the time I got down to the mountain if he wasn't already. I opened the door to Clary's old Ford and placed Kyle in, front, in the front seat, wincing as his head rolled around like a ball on a string. It took me almost an hour to get down the mountain, even though I took the overgrown road and ridiculous speeds and did everything I could to destroy the shocks on the truck. I sped into the hospital emergency zone and found a medical team waiting in the inside door. It was clear they had gotten a call to expect me because they already had a crash cart with them and an IV ready to put in Kyle's wrist. I left Clary's truck where, where it was and spent the next two hours in the waiting room, calling my dad over and over again, crying over an Architectural Digest magazine. No one came to take a statement from me or ask any questions. Kyle's mom arrived before uh, my dad did and started screaming as soon as she saw me. My dad walked in behind her and had a deputy restrain her. He drove me home in silence, but I couldn't take it for much longer. Is anyone going to file a police report? Does anyone, does anyone even fucking care what happened? Sam. He didn't turn to look at me. I'm doing my best to do damage control on the situation, but if Kyle dies or his parents sue, there's nothing I can do to keep you out of court. You think I did this? I screamed at him. We're not going to tell your mother, all right? She has enough to worry about. Da Dad, it's, it's Kimber. It was fucking Prescott and Sheriff C Clary. Yes, you arrived at the hospital in Killian's truck. We already, took, we already talked uh, to them both. I was so frustrated and full of rage that my next words came out jumbled, stuttering mess, ended in a helpless scream. We pulled into our driveway. And my dad turned off the car and finally 
turned to look at me, and I struggled to catch my breath. Samuel, we'll never speak of this again. Do you understand? Are you fucking kidding me, Dad? Kyle might die. I saw Kimber. Enough! If you, if you want this to go away, you will keep your mouth shut about it. Make no statements to anyone, and I'll hire the best lawyer I can afford to clean up your mess. I don't know why you beat your best friend almost to death, and I frankly don't want to. You, fuck you, I screamed at him and threw open the door of the cruiser. I ran then, away from him and the house and my broken life. He didn't come after me, not that day or the other. Since everyone in town thought I was a violent thug, no one would let me stay with them, and I called, or, and I called around. Sorry, I'm all jumbled up. <clears throat> I eventually went to a motel far outside of town and drained the last of my savings from working, uh, paying for the room. I went back to pick up my car from the trailhead. It was gone, and I hoped it was Kimber, who had it, uh, who had it, and now a tow yard. I read the paper every morning for someone mentions Kyle's condition. I saw Daly's birth announcement about ten days later. Mm. They had just had a, what's that? That's uh, the um, the Daly's. Uh, is his boss, remember? Mira, right? Mira, yeah. So they had a birth announcement. So what does that mean? That uh, remember, remember how Mira can't have kids, and then she told her husband, "Okay." Oh, let's so do they, it. so they, so they took a baby from they took a baby the fucking from, from, from the, the skin man, yeah, yeah, from the skin man. My God. Yep. I saw the Daily's birth announcement ten days later. They had just had a son that they named William. The whirling, twirling, shiny gentleman lit up the valley with its stretch and song of death that night. It was the last time I ever heard of it. I stayed the Driskings long after the money had run out. I stayed in Drisking long after the money had run out, and I was sleeping on the concrete behind the motel. I stayed until Kai was released from the hospital, a mute, empty-eyed, soulless vegetable. I went to see him once, while only Parker was home and threatened him until he left me inside the house. Uh... When I assured myself that the Kyle I knew was dead and only his empty husk remained, I left his house and hitchhiked out of town. And after I spent four drunken, drug-fueled years in Chicago, I came home one day to find a letter waiting for me. It didn't have a return address. It was postmarked California. I knew it was from her before I even picked it up. She'd written so many of my assignments for me that I knew Kimber's handwriting better than my own. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Inside it was a letter. The letter I read the letter I read only once many years ago until I sat down and transcribed it today. And I'll if you want I can uh I can close. Yeah, this go up. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. This is the letter that uh her mom left for her. Yep. My Kimber, I know you aren't going to understand why we did the things we did. It was all born out of love, at least it started that way. You're everything to me, and you'll always be my daughter. Do you understand? And, and I'm leaving this world because of what I've done to you, not because of what you are. I don't want you to be upset about what you are, because who you are is beautiful. My dearest, this town has done horrible things, and all of us who live here are guilty. Read this letter and leave this place. I need to tell you all of this. I need to start at the beginning. Somewhere along the way, decades ago, the major population of Driskine became unable to bear children. Most people blamed the town for letting the iron ore leak into our water table during the collapse of our mines. This is the same water table that still provides the town's water today. They were never quite able to fix it, and ore is toxic, and exposure causes infertility. The town did 
and still does, suffer greatly from its effects. And the Prescotts? They solved the problem that no one could solve. It was an ugly, crass solution, but most people were happy to look away when they were able to raise families again. You see, they took girls, mostly women from other places, and they impregnated them and gave us their babies. And the town came under the care of Thomas Prescott when he started to sell some of the babies on the side for a profit to rich couples. And the sheriff, he helped him do this. But then an ugly rumor started that they were selling to human traffickers. I... Oh, oh, an ugly rumor. We wouldn't want one of those. We wouldn't no. want a rumor oh, God, to be ugly. No, no. it's been fine uh, so far. But yeah, don't want that ugly rumor. <laughs> don't, don't want it that God. we don't trust the clientele. I'm, I'm like mad now. I'm not, a, I'm not sad anymore. I'm like upset at these fictional characters. Okay. And the Prescotts had to offer triple the price for girls. And in town, we began to murmur. But once again, turned the other treat when the city was suddenly flooded with money because of how well the traffickers paid. People had well-paying jobs again and were proud to call Driskin home. So we said nothing and those that did were taken to the mountain. Because that is where they do it. There's a place on the mountain where the women are taken, Kimber. Drifters, runaways, and if their parents choose it, Sometimes the girls in town are even sold back. They arrange to sell the girls and they meet them at a tree halfway between our town and their baby mill. Sometimes kids play there now. I think you played there. The Prescotts and the Sheriff are the ones who impregnate the girls and the children are named after them. P children for the Prescotts and K children for the Sheriff. Oh I'll my let, God. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and do the math. Yeah. Kyle and Kimber. Oh my God. Yeah. And then, when the women become too sick or too old to deliver profitable babies, they are sent through a giant machine that was used to refine ore, and their bodies are crushed and the blood and skin stripped away, and what remains of them are their stolen children and the dust of their bones. And all that's left of their bodies is the powder that they spread over the mountain to hide our crimes. If you'll remember, of course, that's... Uh, the powder, yep. The powder, yeah. The power mm -hmm. that built the town, as he said. I'm telling you this, Kimber, because you are one of those children. Most of your friends are one of those children. Please get out of Drisking before your father finds this letter. Run away and never come back and never speak of it to anyone. Their industry has deep roots now and the traffickers have lofty connections. Don't tell anyone. Don't keep this letter. Don't look back. I love you. I'm sorry I have to leave you. We all have to answer for our sins, and I'm ready to burn in hell for mine. Love always and forever, Mom. Oh, God. What a fun episode of Creepcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. And of course, the shiny gentleman, the meat grinder that they threw people in, that was the metal noise that they heard growing up. Yeah, that's the, the loud grinding thing of people, of women dying yeah. in the mountain, yeah. in the mines. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. I need to go hug my I, wife. I, it's this idea. It, 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 first off, I just, well, here's the thing. I guess I just want to talk about the story as a whole. Go ahead. The story does such a great job about setting up this town, this idea, so many subversions, so many 
amazing things that you want to believe and lead, even through like your own creepy pastas, right? It's you want to well like done story, yeah. yeah. You you hear these things in the context of a creepy pasta. You hear skin men, and you I mean you legitimately like okay, well there's going to be a creature or something. The hellish reality of this all being something that could literally take place is so horrifying. It's so hard to believe. I think that they handled the subject matter very well. I think that a lot of people that are not as experienced of writers would have written this in a way that is more vulgar and depraved. And I think it could have, like, I, it is hard. Like, there's, I'm not trying to sell this fact that it's, this is the, the, the first part that for me is so hard is the final stuff with Prescott. Sure. Like, that's exactly. like unbearable. The, the things, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. It's such a cold, bleak reality of him and the, the sheer fact of the matter that when we read this, there is simply nothing that can be done. We're, yeah. I mean, we're, we're coming through the lens of a 16-year-old kid who, at the end of the day, is, is helpless, hopeless, right? With this thing, too, I guess there's a couple things. So does the, da the dad obviously knows. Or yeah, does he the, not? So to me, the dad's the most evil character in the whole story. Like, sure, Prescott's, That's what it feels like. Prescott's evil. Like, he's the devil. But you can, I mean, I give him, a, I say at least, you can imagine some level of detachment he's made between them and the people he's killing. Prescott, I mean, uh, uh, the dad, Sam's dad, gave his daughter. He sold her. He sold her. Yeah, 100%. He sold his daughter 100%. Like, to, to become sheriff. That guy's the devil. I want to see his face get caved in. I hate that guy. Also, I'm looking at the replies right now for part four on Reddit. Someone named Mrs. Spriggs made an interesting connection. Do you remember how they said the P names were for Prescott and the K names were for uh, Killian? How, like, the names of the kids come after who mm -hmm. their fathers are? Uh, at the end, it says that uh, his boss had a, had a son named William. William for Walker, Sam's last name. So now his father, if that's to, which is a good analysis, but if that's to be believed, now his dad's up there fathering kids too. I mean, why would you not believe that? I mean, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like if, if you're going to be the devil and give your daughter, I guess it's just the next step. I hate, I hate, <laughs> this story makes me so mad. <laughs> You know the thing about it, though, you have to keep you have to keep in consideration too, is that for a subject on r slash no sleep, this is something that will keep you up. This is something that will stay with you. This is something yeah. that makes you think about the intentions of strangers you know, or even the strangers of people that you um, that you don't know. I mean, like it is so vilely evil, so realistic, and so disgusting. It's one of one of the really like truly one of the best stories that i've read in terms of impactful emotional depth and stuff i mean it makes sense too why you why this author goes on to write like haunting of hill house you know has a, such a beautiful setup such a yeah, beautiful so, setup and especially you know what they did too sorry to keep rambling but no, to have this right. to have this story start with children because you are starting in an optimistic fantastical place kids are going to believe urban legends they're going to be it's going to be larger than life and everything and to have something happen when you're a child of your sister disappearing whitney disappearing when you're a kid you assume that it is something fantastical that took her and that relays into part three or into part uh two with that time jump so you, the, the narrative starts off almost as if when you're reading this you are a child when you first read this and you are growing with the characters as well 
and you're still under that optimistic young hope that this is something that is otherworldly that can't be you know that can't be explained but it is so grounded in vile human fucking depravity that snaps you back into reality very very quick it is so disgustingly good at doing that ugh i think ugh. i think one of the parts that bothers me about it so much is cuz like you know, we we've read our fair share of like supernatural stories and stuff like that, but sure. Sometimes, sometimes like the brevity of news makes it not set with us. But when we hear phrases like human trafficking or like you know kidnaps or like mm -hmm. you know, women abducted, we kind of let it like roll off our backs because we don't think about it. But hearing the intensity of those moments described, oh, it hurts so bad because unlike. Unlike Jeff the Killer, Russian Sleep Experiment, or whatever, it's like this is a this is something that's happened. Not like sure, not to the scale of every single person in a town's in on right. it, but there's there's rings where this kind of evil happens, and and they get it away is, with it. It is exaggerating a very real thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's exaggerating like the exaggeration is just like what if a whole town was in on it? It's like the size of it. Yeah, what what if Correct. instead of like hundreds of gang members so to speak who are part of it what if it was one town that's in on it what if it was consolidated almost and it makes it gosh man there's a lot of oh, um there's a lot of speculation and argument with this even in film you know should this be the subject matter of a film usually when people see these things they're like i don't want to see this this yeah. is disgusting and i think it is all about what the what the artist's intention is of writing these stories and stuff but i think that these kind of stories are, I'm not going to say important as like they need to be made or anything. I'm not going to go as far to say that, you know, but I think that to ignore base level human atrocities um, because they're hard to swallow is wrong. I think that like the story preps up these things so real and I think it brings to light something so tragically human and so tragically real that that's what makes it so impactful and so horrifying. And it's the idea, too, that you can do nothing to stop it. Um, it's, it's truly impactful. Truly, truly impactful. And, man, God, I mean, at the end, too, with Sam's time jump, so he's basically homeless now, living in Chicago, you know, where where does he end up? He ends up it by said, saying... It says he goes to Chicago for a while, then eventually to California. He just becomes a drifter. Yeah. When I assured myself that Kyle I knew was dead. So basically, he left after he knew that Kyle was basically gone. He's a vegetable. There's no remnant of his friend. He's alone in this town. He realizes that his dad's a fucking monster. And then I spent four drunken, drug-fueled years in Chicago, came home one day to find a letter waiting for me. It didn't have a return address, but it was postmarked California. I knew it was from her before I even picked it up. She'd written so many of my assignments. I'd written. So he's, assume, he's saying that Kimber sent him the letter. Is that what that's supposed to say? Yeah, Kimber, Kimber found him and sent him the letter to kind of give him closure. Because remember, Kimber gets away because of what Kyle did. Kyle died. I mean, he became like a vegetable, but... Kyle died to get Kimber off the mountain, which... You'd have to assume that Kim... Well, yeah, but we're not sure where she ended up, but she did leave, and she, she is... She lived. She lived, yeah. I think that even her return address is she doesn't want anybody to find her. She probably has her own new life started, and 
Yeah. I think that she probably doesn't even want to see him just due yeah, to the fact course. too, that it would remind her of that time, of you course, know, yeah. Really, Man, what's funny Kyle too is that all that we made well, he, he really he is, he yeah. is the most oblivious, most like kid, like almost like most you know dope, like kind of like stoner esque character of them all, and he does the most selfless thing and pays the yeah. ultimate price for every other character to survive. Kyle truly is the hero of the story. Sam is as well. I mean, Sam, you, you, you credit needs to be where credit is given to Sam. Though, you know, you, you do want him to fight for his sister at the end, but it is a hopeless thing. I think that he realizes that he would, that He's if this person is... in front of, yeah, I mean... What's well, not even that, but if his sister is already gone, I think that he needs to, like, he's putting priority in this thing and hoping that justice will come, which is naive, but for a, for a 16-year-old kid, what I mean, what else can you expect? Um, I think that I, I, I just, I guess I want to reiterate that I think that story did a very good job not harking on the difficult subject matter. I think that they played into it in a way where they didn't yeah. shy away from it. They weren't shying away. They were very much telling you this is the reality of the matter. I mean, like the story unveils the subject matter as much as the kids who stumble upon it. That's the best way I can describe it. How the yeah. characters react to it is how you react to it in the real time. It doesn't glorify it. We're not, um, you know, reveling in the idea of what it is. It is the simple and blunt truth that is re revealed to these characters and it is just fantastical enough to be um i mean it's just fantastical i mean like the idea of rows and rows of like an army barrack style thing and no one knows and no one cares is so sad it's so unbelievably sad and painful and it's so like you're like how does this happen you know what i mean but it's still based in a level of reality that is it's so scary to think that this happens. It does happen. Maybe, like you said, maybe not to the scale, but it does happen. Sure. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's horrifying. I mean, honestly, man, unbelievable story. Unbelievably yeah. impactful story. No wonder it stays with people. Nobody want, no, no wonder people want you to read this and kind of come across this ending and this realization because it truly is something that is monumental. It is like, uh, God. God, it's like yeah. crashing into a wall. It's like you're yeah. you're you're soaring through and you're having fun, theorizing on all these things that you know creepy pastas to be about monsters or weird interdimensional travel bullshit, whatever. And then you just literally crash into a wall at a hundred miles an hour. It is devastating. I um, I mean, I guess I can talk about it now because I've spent the whole time being like, mm, I don't know where it goes, you know. But while we were reading it through. There were so many, like, things I'd forgotten about lead up. Like, the mention of his boss at the sandwich shop being like, okay, I want to do it. I called him. Let's have a kid. And I, at the time, I told you it's adoption because, you know, I didn't want to give it away, but I knew where it was going. But I'd forgotten yeah. that element was earlier in the story. Or there's the part where um, uh, they're, over, they're over at Kimber's place where she's babysitting. And the kids are playing in the yard. And they're like, uh-oh, the skinned men got you. Now you have to go meet the shiny gentleman. Oh, like God, it's like there was, there was so much trickle down. Or the mention that Mina was happier after she after he saw her after she had made the phone call because she was getting a kid now. The fact that Mina was so depressed, crying in her office, was because she didn't want to utilize the trafficking ring the city had. Uh, but she eventually goes along with it. It's, gosh, dude, it's it's. But like you said, 
I think it's an incredibly well-written story. It's incredibly heavy. But as far as what I initially said getting into this at part one, that this is my favorite, this has always been to me the best creepypasta. I think I still stand by that. At least as far as I can remember right now. Because of how... I'm definitely not going to say I'm an expert and that I know all... The, I have like a Rolodex of creepypasta in front of me. But in terms of impactful storytelling and impactful um, creepypastas, this, I, I really don't know how this is going to be topped in terms yeah. of like an absolute train wreck. And I don't think yeah. that it uses... This is another thing, too, because I'm curious if people have criticisms of this for being shock value of like, oh, they're just doing this because that's disgusting, blah, blah, blah. When really, I, I, I don't know if I agree with a sentiment like that. I think that this is something that like. It's just such a real heavy subject matter, and it's such honestly in a way, and I don't want to I'm not saying that I'm glorifying it or anything, but it is a creative way of using what is a pre-known like creep what what is a creepypasta you know what is the fantastical yeah. element of what a creepypasta is it's taking that and then being like fuck you we're not going to a fantastical place we're going yeah. to a very this real is, place this that's, is real world yeah. yeah this is real world and this is something that you're going to have to like face and you know the when when you read it and the characters realize it too that's when you're realizing it and i think one thing that's brilliant about this too that i think is like kind of hitting me in waves is the use of using you, what you assume people's loss is the, the loss of people in the town and how people are reacting to it and the sympathy you give these things um, at face value when really there is something so much more depraved underneath the surface of that, that it feels like by the end of this, you simply cannot trust anybody. I don't know how Sam or Kimber would ever trust a single soul again. I honestly don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't think that they would ever have a stable relationship again. I don't think that they would ever have even like a remote, like a, a, a like even friendships. I don't know how you would ever have that again with how traumatic and disgusting this is. And I, the only thing that I would want from, because I'm hesitant to read part five because I don't know if I want to have that what if situation. The only thing that I would want is just a very cartoonish, childish reaction of Sam goes back with a flamethrower and burns every I, person I need, to the ground. I need bad things to happen to Sam's dad. That's what that's uh, what you yeah. that's what we think we need. And I do wonder if it did happen, it would feel good in the moment, but I think that the reason this is so impactful and that it stays with you is that because you have to embrace that grief yourself as a reader. Well, I've had uh, eight years to embrace that grief, so <laughs> I'll read it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of, I mean like, you know, and this is what we'll do too. I'll say this. I mean, I don't know if you agree, but if people say that they want us to read part five, we can read part five and do that at the same time. I can tell you right now as a new reader, I don't want to read it. I yeah, want to it, sit it, with it this for a, a bit. Well. It needs to simmer for a bit. I agree. Granted, yeah. though, you know, Wendy, you've you've sat here for eight years, so I, I'm curious to, if anything, I would be curious to have you read it and just text me and be like, with no spoiler kind of thing, just be like, is it worth it or not? And just kind of be like, yeah. I think it's worth it or, eh, you know, whatever. And then in time, I can make that own my own kind of decision on it. But as of right now, I need time to process what the fuck I just got exposed to. Yeah. 
I, I think I will. I think I'll read part five and then report back if I think it's worth a. a what is the not. what is the time delineation between part four okay, was so published and part five that, was that's published? That's what I was going to mention. So all all four parts that we've covered now were published in 2015 within like like at the same time, right? So they all got published 2015. That year, Baraska won No Sleep's Best Series and Scariest Story Award. Um, so it, it won a bunch of awards, was highly thanked. So the next year, in 2016, Rebecca released Part 5. So it's only one year separated. Okay. I should also mention, oh, this is also, this isn't just for me and you, but this is especially for audience listening. So there was a very high production audio version of the story that came out in 2020 as a matter of fact cole sprit so it's like a radio show like it's almost like a stage acted thing audio uh cole sprouse plays sam uh and a bunch of other actors and actresses who you know from television appears different roles it adds a lot more it's longer than the normal four parts it's kind of like her remastered version of the story it even has um i was a big fan of house growing up so if you mm -hmm. remember the girl that played Cuddy, the hospital yeah. chief, Lisa Edelson, mm -hmm. she's in it. Um, so there's like, th there's a ton of uh, like new characters added and stuff. And a bunch of people who are very familiar with Baraska say that the, the podcast webisode is the way to go for first time listeners. Um, so th th they did a whole audio show in 2020 that got a lot of acclaim. And as we mentioned earlier, Rebecca got, or Rebecca Klingle's her name got so much praise over this story that Mike Flanagan invited her on to work on The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, and The Fall of the House of Usher. So, and I, I see why. Like we talked about, this is a very, yeah, very a, a great, story. A, a great, yeah. a great uh, professional relationship blossomed out of that. And all yeah. of the shows rule. I mean, anything Mike Flanagan does, I just adore. I mean, like, he's, he's fucking amazing. And to have this is just awesome. I mean, the thing too, you know, Rebecca... Um, all of the praise goes to how amazing this is. And I really look forward to anything that she does moving forward as well. Even I'm, I'm hoping that there's some, you know, like, not that I don't appreciate the collaborative stuff, but I am curious to see what she does on her own again after yeah. the fact. I mean, I'll, this is I'll, all just I'll amazing. Say, I'll say this. I've, I'm kind of depressed right now remembering all the details, but through that depression, I can say, Rebecca, incredible story absolutely oh. blew it up there's a reason i've remembered this for the last eight years it's one of the scariest stories i've ever read it earns the praise i'm hurt over it but it's so well done so like you read so many creepypasta that can barely keep their english together much less deliver like you know foreshadowing tension conclusion stuff like that and it's it's like reading like a, a, a true author at work all the way back then so well earned success off of it you did a great job it yeah, just makes me I sad, mean, for, I for, the, for the thing point. here is, for the thing here is, uh, you know, art is meant to challenge. It's meant to make you question things. It's meant to provoke emotion. And I think art that is centered in horror. I mean, the horror, the definition of horror is an intense feeling of fear, shock, or disgust. And I think that this is this story is the true definition of what horror is. I think it's horror that is unfiltered. It is completely true. And the reason that it's so horrific is that you, I mean, like it just instills that fear in, in your own life. And I think that, um, truly, truly impactful. I mean, honestly, what a great recommend. I mean, like, yeah, it's the, the, the feeling of whenever we got done with this, it, the feeling was, I want to throw up. I want to almost like imagine yeah. my life without this story. 
Um, but then again, I do think that this is something that's going to stick with me. And I think that uh, this is this is just amazing storytelling. It's so, so tragic. I mean, uh, once again, hats off. Hats off. Yeah. And, we, and you know what, Wendigo, we made it through. We made it through. I think that you know, what's, you know what's funny is that you came into this, your your big balls were swinging, and you were like, you know what, I've already read this. But I think that uh, at like a part way through part four, you're like, oh fuck, wait, I forgot too. <laughs> you kind of had I a realization lost. moment is as well. Is that what you want to hear? You win. I lost. <laughs> I'm broken. It, everything hurts, and I'm dying. Is that I what think you wanted? All, all I'm saying is we made it through together, and I think we made it through with our uh, viewers as well. And like I said, we'll be sure. We, we like hopefully or we we will put a viewer discretion thing at the beginning of this episode as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. and we'll leave that discretion in before that moment as well. Yeah. So people should be uh, you know warranted. So if you did follow along with us and you're mad at us, just know we put the signs up. We put it okay. There. We, the sign was there, just like the skinned man sign was in front of the thing that viewer discretion was there. So you should have known better. <laughs> Our really signs were a lot more. Our it. signs were a lot more literal and a lot There's more a, nothing the, the, hiding. We were we were like run away. The last thing I want to mention about Rebecca Klingle is uh, she published these stories under the name C.K. Walker. So mm-hmm. if you find the author C.K. Walker online, you can find a lot of her other works. She does a series that I believe are about real life disappearances, like missing four one one type stuff. Uh, nice. which my audience is probably very into. And also, if you're interested in listening to the audio, which we can leave a link to that in the description, if you're interested in listening to the podcast version of Baroska, um, it was published under a company called Q Code here on YouTube. So you can just mm. head over and check that out for yourself too. Kind of like Is that the, the one the with Cole Sprouse video. and stuff? or is that That's the one with Cole Sprouse and everyone. Okay. Yeah. I've heard ever since that we talked about this one, that was like one of the big comments is that people said that that is, it's a very, very good, uh, it's like the re- definitive reenactment. way to take it in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear it's very well performed. I, I imagine it's probably a lot more emotionally impactful than us tripping over our words and stuff and me, um, stopping the story every three minutes. So, um, please be sure to go give that a check out as well. But, um, man, what an impactful one. I mean, you know, I'm curious. I'm now nervous because people usually suggest uh, all kinds of stories now. I'm very nervous to take people's suggestions <laughs> now, if I'm being honest. This is, yeah, uh, this this is, is your this all's is a heavy fault. <laughs> I, I, in I a way, it is. You know, it is. This is uh, this was by far the most requested one. I'm curious to see what people are going to gravitate towards next. And, you know, why, why are you that, people like this? People are depraved. They're monsters. They're little goblins is what they are. They're little goblins that want to hurt us. Um, And that's the beautiful thing, I think, about the storytelling and horror in general that I think is maybe a good way to end on is that horror can be fun. Horror can be very real. Um, I think the way that people can navigate this space is so interesting and so amazing. And I love this community. I I love the fact that people can make horror that is scary, but it's fun. I like it's fun to be scared and then you can have a story like this that makes you question your own sanity and makes you question humanity as a large I think that it's like it's such a large spectrum and people should be so stoked to be a part of to be a part of this community and to be fans of this community it's it's awesome really really cool so yeah um, fun that's how I would describe it I would say too I don't know if I don't know if fun was uh if there's a cheeky little grin behind that behind that screen of yours but I, I think it is. It not. is fun. <laughs> uh, right, well, well, that I'm, was that was Baraska. Baraska. You got what you asked for, everyone. 
A nice little round of applause. We made it through. We it's made it through to the other story side. And I hate you so much. That's how I feel I, about it. That's how I feel as well. And until next time, I don't know what we're going to cover next. It'll be a surprise. I know we've been trying to kind of tell people what we're covering next at the end of these episodes, but I think uh, I think it's going to be a little surprise for next time. I think we're still trying yeah. to figure out what it, we what we want to sink our teeth into. But until next time, this has been Creepcast, and we will catch you on the next one. Thank you all so much for watching. It means the world. Bye for now. See you in the next one.